Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and today I'm joined by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit-Turner. Hello, Ben, and Happy New Year. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Fear. Happy oh, boo, 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 years. boo Year's Eve. <laughs> How was your Boo Year's Eve? A Boo Year's Eve was lovely. I spent it with a friend of the show, John Cronin, listening to some bands down the town. It was lovely. Oh, lovely. Boo, what would be a ter- uh, the most terrifying New Year's Eve is realizing that you've reduced yourself to putting the Hootenanny on, right? Yeah. That's a Boo Hoo <laughs> year, Year's Eve. Boo Hoo Year's Is it true that the Hootenanny is recorded in September? I try my best to think as little about the, the Hootenanny as I can. I, I imagine they were there live because he counts down the bells, doesn't he? Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I did switch on the TV just for the countdown, and it was Rick. It was like a live Rick Astley show on the oh. on the on terrestrial television. Perhaps I've judged it too harshly. I don't think that was the Hootenanny then. No. Um, but yeah, your your time. How how's John Crinan doing? Is he doing good? He's doing exceptionally well. So as lovely as ever. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. So, uh. First episode of the year, our standard fare. We've been doing this. Have we been doing this every year since the podcast began? Like a a a, a yearly roundup episode. I think we may have missed possibly the first year because we did a big Christmas countdowny episode, and then because you were working on the top fifty horror movies from Empire at the time, I think we you did a couple on. of milestones on that. I think it was like a. Mm. what have we learned from 50 episodes i think was the yeah. first like special formatted one but definitely the last what three four years we've done a yeah. yearly roundup i reckon so um and i like doing it and i know last on last week's episode we had a little bit of a chat about films we've enjoyed this year but i tried not to reveal too much because we were kind of listening to uh uh kev and aaron talk about theirs but yeah, That's right. What... I was trying to keep my powder dry as well. I didn't want to um, didn't want to give anyone any clues by mentioning a film that then there was the, a question about. 
So I was like, it's true. Mm. Very professional. Uh, but yeah, we've got, I guess we've got to talk a little bit about the fallout of the quiz episode. Four hours, a bumper long. I mean, it might, is it the longest one? It might be the longest one. Might be our longest, longest episode. Um, not a minute too long, though. I feel like it needed everything. It was an insane experience as always. But what I find we were talking about is just before, like I probably do have a slight advantage just because there are a few films in the questions that we've covered this year. Uh, so maybe, yeah, I've got a slight advantage, but at the same time, you don't know what I, set uh, you're going to get. You don't know what set you're going to get. And like the cross section of horror, like there were some questions of like, whoa, there's no way I, I would have got that. Um, and especially going up against someone like Kev, who is, um, just a encyclopedia of horror knowledge um it was it was it was great to be able to and i can't i cannot believe obviously go back and listen to the quiz episode if you haven't but i cannot believe i'm not going to give away the result but i will say i can't believe i did as well as i did because i always go into it kind of going like the underdog uh, after that especially and beat you that year yeah but especially mr luke condor with a k who has been mostly absent from this podcast this year and he admitted he hadn't seen many new horror films. He's seen some, but he hadn't seen many. He was killing it. Yeah. I think Luke is particularly good, though, at the the background. I think Luke has a really good, strong knowledge of filmmakers, uh, you know, writers, directors, yeah, yeah, yeah. things that I think he has a really good knowledge of those things. He's just got the type of brain that retains that information. I was impressed. Uh, but yeah, such a good time. Um, a very enjoyable time and obviously amazing quiz master work from you as usual i'm impressed every year andy every year i'm like oh, thank you is, so much this is next level stuff and while we're saying thank you um thank you to everyone who sent in messages a lot of our regular listeners have been in touch so they enjoyed it um and you know i think troy in particular messaged and said it must be a lot of hard work it bloody is but i enjoy doing it <laughs> it's a lot of fun to do it um yeah and if you've watched the picture round this year i will indeed Post those out. Maybe I'll post them out to Kev's video store so we can have them in Canada. Oh, yeah. That'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, it's always a real feel-good time. But yeah, I don't for a second take the work you do for granted that goes into it. Like, I always know like how much work is going to go into it. But uh, yeah. yeah, such a good time. Such a feel-good... I'm always a bit worried beforehand because I'm always thinking, don't make a bloody fool of yourself. Don't say something ridiculous. But... Uh, you never do. We, it's always good. You've got such... We knowledge under your belt at this point you should start, well, yeah. start owning it that you're an expert i now. should i should be doing well at these at these podcasts we're on episode 317 of horror hangout today i think yeah some of it's got have sunk in and maybe that's proof that it has a little bit um we had we had yeah we had lots of great feedback messages a lot of people saying they were, it was great to hear Luke back on the show again. Um, we even had some messages beforehand saying this is their favorite time of the year, their favorite episodes. Uh, a couple of listeners said that they'd listened back to all of the quiz episodes prior. In preparation. In preparation for the new one. Um, I don't think anything's going to prepare you for like four hours. But yeah, if you do want to go and listen to the quiz episode, there are time codes in the episode on YouTube and on Spotify and everything else. So you can see where the quiz starts because usually it starts like 30 minutes or so in. Yeah, after we do just best part of an hour because we had the um everyone's annual roundup, right? Yeah. So there's that. And then I've also put time codes in for like the rounds as well. Not not that you wouldn't want to listen to the whole thing, but you know, some rounds you might be like, God, I absolutely love that round. I want to hear it right now. Go and go and get one of your friends and family members to go. 
I know a four-hour podcast is a hard sell, but if you go, tell you what, think you're good at horror, are you? Listen to this round. Get this. Listen to this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've already quizzed some family members on the speed rounds. Uh, you know, uh, some some of their success was was differing. Uh, my dad got a couple of questions that I didn't get right on the speed round. Oh, he peed up, He pulled out Peter Cushing on one of them. I was like, ah. The problem with that, right, is I knew who I meant, but I've been reading the Fright Night or Origins book with Peter Vincent in it. So that when you uh... said that, I could only form the word Peter, the name Peter Vincent in my head. And I was like, don't say that because that's the guy from Fright Night. Um, <laughs> so that's that's my excuse. I'm not going to make an excuse for every question I got wrong. Be your it, was a, it, it was a lovely time. It was a very lovely time. Thanks for playing. It sure was. Um, yeah, so a new year of horror is ahead, but we're going to be looking back on the last 12 months of, of horror, mainly movies. Obviously, we've got 10 films to count down in our top 10 horror movies of the year, but we're going to break it up a bit, a slightly different um, a slightly different layout for this episode. That's not the right word, structure for this episode. Um, so things like honorable mentions, disappointments, new discoveries, and we're also going to be looking at horror throughout other media. Um games tv books stuff like that that we've enjoyed this year yeah. um and as usual when we do the countdown of our top 10 if if andy for example mentions one of his favorites at number 10 and that happens to be my number five we'll kind of have the discussion at at the point of number 10 when andy mentions it and then later on in the list we'll kind of just go oh yeah mine's number five, other way around we'll talk about, about it <laughs> the other way around we'll talk about it at its highest point as the that's right for maximum that makes, excitement that makes a lot more sense thank you uh <laughs> yeah for maximum excitement there we go um and some things like this is when i was put my list together there's a lot of documentaries i enjoyed this year i've kind of left them out of my top 10 list and kind of decided to keep them in their own little section i'm going to discuss i did kind of keep them in my main list which i put together for movies of the year but um yeah and we've of documentaries had... you get through you could do a top 10 documentaries top 10 documentaries list but i just love knowledge uh <laughs> um yeah we'll get to that we'll get to another documentary i've been watching and what we've been watching um and yeah there were a couple of discussions about certain films being straight up horror movie but we have decided on one or two titles that are going to be considered horror and of course if you don't consider them a horror fair enough but i think yeah if yeah live your life but they're in Live your life, but they're in. Uh, let's have a good. Let's have a look then at the next bit we've got. So I guess we do like a little bit of news before Any news we get to start the year. Yeah, yeah, we got some news to start the year. So there's a trailer, there's a poster, and a trailer for the first Omen, the prequel to the original Omen. It's going to be difficult when you're talking about the first Omen. Now, what Omen film are you watching? I'm watching the first Omen. Oh, what, oh the first Omen, 1979. No, no, the first Omen. No, no, no. 2024. 2024 um yeah so we've got a a prequel to to that the omen has been lying dormant ever since the failed television series damien back in 2016 i, I don't think i've seen that and now uh 20th century studios so look this is the another big franchise release from 20th century studios um what have they released this year the, the boogeyman stuff and stuff like that um so yeah it's a it's a comes along in the wake of the four original installments in the original franchise, the 2006 remake. Um, and the trailer teases the movie's approach. Uh, seems to be about the like, birth of Damien, the devil child from the original classic. Um, 
But uh, to be fair, from watching the trailer, it doesn't look like standard franchise horror fare. It kind of has got a bit of a classic retro restrained look about okay. it. There's some re- really good visuals um, and it looks like kind of genuinely spooky and unnerving, almost like got a bit of a folk horror vibe in places, even though I know that's not exactly what it'd be. Because in a way, I was like the first omen, all I can really think about is like, oh, a young American woman goes to Rome to begin a life of service to the church. I'm thinking... The nun. I'm thinking, yeah, it's come a bloody on. nun, isn't it? It's bloody Valak all over again. But this looks like quite stylistic. It looks quite interesting. Um, yeah, obviously I'll check it out. It's released on April the fifth, twenty twenty four. So nice to start the year with with a new new trailer. Always exciting. I've not watched it yet. You know, um, I will. I will watch it because. As much as I will probably talk at great length, I'm a little bit burned out on long-running franchises. Um, <laughs> give it a go. It's nice to get yeah. out of the house, isn't it? It is nice to get out of the house, yeah, occasionally. Uh, once in a blue moon. Um, yeah, and I will. I will I will go and check that out, definitely. And the other news I've got is the Blumhouse and James Wan's Atomic Monster have officially joined Fonsers join forces one or word that was to create a horror mega power they've connected together uh lots of synergy stuff on corporate today. synergy corporate synergy uh the preeminent homes for horror are now under one roof can you give me a feet can you give me a little jingle for that um the it's called blumhouse atomic monster blumhouse atomic monster blumhouse atomic monster i don't know if it's got a different name yet um, no. There was a long Blood running. Monster. There was a long running argument at um, a workplace I had in my very early twenties, where a oh, person who will remain nameless was insistent that it was there's millions of Jeffrey, all under one roof. <laughs> Makes no even, fucking sense. You couldn't even buy a Jeffrey, could you? It wasn't no. like he was a mascot you could purchase back in the nineties. There's not millions of him under one roof. Impractical. Can I just confirm? Does he say there's millions? Said Jeffrey. Yeah, there's millions. Says Jeffrey. Yeah, says Jeffrey. Yeah, there's millions. Says Jeffrey, all under one roof. Millions as well. Do you reckon there's millions? That's a lot, isn't it? Guess if you considered Lego bricks, individual uh, toys. Didn't think of that. Probably Lego millions. bricks, grains of sand in a, in a sand like pit. A... Yeah, millions. <laughs> <laughs> it's toy, the Toys R Us go bust and then come back. I think they're on the way back. I reckon anything, any anytime anything goes bust, like I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I'm going to mention it again. Wilkinson's slash Wilco. Back. Anytime everything goes, anything goes bust, and everyone gets sad, like the high streets die and everything's everything's terrible. I just go no. Go it, feel, it, then. it feels like the equivalent of someone announcing they're leaving Facebook. <laughs> right, that's it. I've had enough of you lot. Just me and the kids from now on. See you later, Facebook. Two weeks later, they're like. Does anybody know the opening times for the chip shop? <laughs> I love a Passag response. Let me just Google that for you. Yeah, and you can actually do it. There's a there's a link. There's a website. Not Google. There's a website called Let Me Google That For You, and you just type in the thing they want, send them the link, and it and it Google's it for them. <laughs> so passive aggressive. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Uh, where were we? <laughs> oh yeah. So this deal, they yeah, work corporate at... synergy. Corporate Synergy, they will work as separate labels to retain creative independence with a freeway ownership structure split by Blum, the majority owner, One, and Comcast, the parent company of NBC Universal. 
Um, I think we maybe mentioned this on the show a while ago that this was going to be happening, but this has officially happened now. What does it mean for future things? I know that Night Swim, which we're covering next year, is possibly co-produced by them. It was the first one that I kind of noticed was going to be co-produced. Um, oh, okay, no. I think there have been a few already, but Night Swim is going to be the latest one. Okay, um, so next week we'll find out if it's a good or bad thing, I guess next week and that's it and that that'll be it if it's bad undo it just get yeah. mad you're better go off. separate ways lads yeah what's this the equivalent of what kind of duo what kind of combination i guess uh, it's... An, uh, uh, unexpected uh an unexpected duet lady gaga and beyonce when he did that song telephone wow yeah both absolute players in their own in their own world but together yeah. is it gonna work Turns out it did. So let's see if it let's, turns let's... out it did. Or do you remember the Mitchell and Webb's uh, the Mitchell and Webb skit where it was there were two comedy duos, one called Chip and Pin, and one called yeah. Fish and some Fish and Chip. <laughs> no, but they the, the one called Chip and Pin, and I can't remember the, the one details. called Fish and Chip, and it's like Chip and Fish Pin, that no, it, it, one called Fish and Chip, one called Pin and Cushion. Because because the light because world was moving ahead, Chip and Pin decided to ditch the other two and get together. But they failed, and the other duo, Fish and Cushion, did really well. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> Stupendous work. I always like to bring that up. I like to bring that up when I'm talking about when there's an awkward silence uh, when I'm trying to buy something. Do and you Fish go, and Cushion? <laughs> they go, can you just put your put your pin in? And I'll go. Isn't it funny that? Uh... And I just tell that tell that anecdote and uh, get get escorted out of the store yeah. minutes later. Good uh, times. Anything else in the news? What else is all, cooking? That's all I've got in the news. Um, you know, early January. You know, everyone's just yeah, everyone's just, just getting, getting back, back to, to work, it. just catching up on their emails, catching up um, on the old emails. Have you watched anything unconnected to this week's show since last time we met? Uh, since the last time, since the last time we met, what have I been watching? So. I've started watching RoboDoc, the creation of RoboCop oh, yes. documentary. It's uh, maybe like four parts, four or five parts. Cannot believe. I think we maybe mentioned it on the show last week um, or recently at least. Like an hour and a half, some of the episodes are. It only talks about the first film, which is bad to go into such detail for it. Um, but yeah, really good so far. Some lovely anecdotes about like, it just seems like a load of stress bringing it together. <laughs> Uh, and there's loads of nice little behind the scenes bits like everyone who is anyone is involved talking about it um, and everyone there's a lot of a lot of really good good stuff and I'm I'm interested to digest the rest of it all the other hours of documentary as I said I like a documentary and you could give Love me a lengthy documentary here's a four hour documentary on the making of something I hate and I go <laughs> I'll give it a watch see what happens oh, I'll try maybe, it maybe I'll try it out. I appreciate um, it a bit more. Yeah, so I guess we're gonna have a more in. I'll get. I'll give a more in-depth review once I've finished it. Anything that you've uh, you've seen this week? Couple of couple of little bits. Um, I'm not sure I mentioned it last time we were together, but I did catch up um, from the week I was away. I watched Tales from the Hood. Um, oh yeah, nice. I agree with your review. I've never seen it before. It was very good. Um, I watched the Sacrifice game, which was the closing film at Fright Fest this year. Um, is now on Shudder. Um, and it's 
loosely Christmas based. It's set roughly around. It's at least as Christmas as Die Hard is. You watched um, a post. You watched a Christmassy film after Christmas had happened. How did that make yeah. you feel? Um, it's okay. I'm just checking the date I watched on the 21st of December. Just didn't oh, talk right, about okay. it before now. So yeah. yeah, that was that was good. That was good fun. Um, I watched a web series on um, on YouTube called Bright Falls, which is a prequel to Alan Wake. Yeah, Worth checking I was just that about out. to say that. Is this is this like to go alongside Alan Wake Two? Is no, is it's it... previous to the release of Alan Wake One. It's literally wow. the the run up to them arriving. Um, it's about twenty minutes long. It's decent. And for the first time this awesome. week, first time ever, I watched uh, the ritual, which I know you covered on the show, uh, yourself and Luke, way back. Did you? Did we? You certainly talked about it. If you didn't cover the film, yeah, I don't know if we did like a mainline episode. Right? Maybe, maybe we did. It's, I mean, as I said, it's been three hundred plus episodes. Easy to forget. Uh, maybe not. Um, no, I don't think we did. But oh, interesting. I have, I have seen it. Interesting though. I enjoyed it. Yeah, how did you feel about the? Obviously, don't want to spoil too much, but how do you feel about the the sort of creature design? Creature design's really good. Um, did it make you a little bit scared of like a a British news agents slash convenience store? Nah, don't don't live in London. Don't live in civilized place where everyone's yeah, nice to each other. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, what did it? Oh, lovely, funny bit where that man wakes up covered in piss. That was funny. Um, yeah, can't, can't I, remember I, that bit. Maybe I'll go and watch it again if I want to I, see someone covered in piss. I had, I had a good time. I had a good time with it. It was really interesting. I think the creature design, the psychology, building up brilliant like setting and everything as well. So that was it's a yeah. good little watch. And nice. I'm midway through something. Um, oh. I've got the sleeve of it here, and as I don't have a background number, once I can show you to camera, um, I picked up a copy, physical copy of Video Shop Tales of Terror, a oh. micro budget. Um, yes. Uh, a micro budget horror anthology. I am, I think I've got one of the little sections left to watch. Um, it's what you might expect from something that is made on a fan level. They describe it themselves as a micro budget um, piece. Uh, Danny Thompson, who is in several um, mm. British horror movies, uh, most recently, you might recognize her in either Eating Miss Campbell as the, um, as the, Head teacher's assistant, or you will have seen her in Punch this year as well. Uh, she was the Land, barmaid, landlady. landlady. Yeah, yep. that's right. So she is uh, like a, a horror film star in it, who sort of features across the um, the gamut of stories. Um, similar energy, but not like a you know, it's it's an anthology rather than a narrative, like the last video store featuring. Uh, your friend of mine, Kev Martin, like um, we, but it does have that same sort of VHS store energy that you'll have seen in this and Scare Package, and it's a really nice way to frame horror stories, right? So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Awesome, amazing. Um, I have to check that out. She'd be a great guest on the show, wouldn't she? Maybe we we'll have to reach out to her see if she wants to, to get on and see if she wants to come join us sometime. Yeah, she's certainly really seen got an... some great stuff to her name. Hmm. Um, I haven't really seen anything else this week because I've been replaying Control. I've got the Ultimate Edition. I guess there are some like horror elements to it, uh, especially in terms of the story. I mean, the story is top notch. It's amazing. I really like, want to get around to playing Control. Oh, it's, it's great. Like the story is is it's just so. I mean, yeah. If you enjoy Alan Wake, obviously they are connected. Those universes and there are some shared 
mythology, um, some shared like stylistic choices. But it's just such a good looking game, and yeah, I just love, I absolutely love the gameplay. And I'm just the ultimate edition's got loads of DLC in it, so I'm just kind of trying to complete every single little. Might might get on and might get on and do it because uh, it's one of those games, Ben. Guess what? I have had time to do. I've had time to buy it, mate. Don't worry. Got that sorted. <laughs> Done that bit. Buy it. Um, I I have bought the World of Horror game, the sort of like Japanese, um, eight bit. It's not eight bit. It's maybe like. 16 bit i don't know sort of like horror it looks like junjaita sort of horror story game okay um so i've bought that and i did list that on with the list of things that i've missed in 2023 and i want to want to play but i've gone ahead and i bought it so so you haven't technically that. missed it now you just missed doing it i just missed doing it yeah so i've got it now so well um, i'll tell you what ben we're doing that. the um you know we did branch out a little bit for bonus content looking at some recorded stuff maybe i'll get it as well and we can um do some sections of it yeah great idea great idea uh but that's it for what we've been watching i guess we should move on to the main event yeah let's get to the big let's get to the countdowns eh now's the time all the stars are here all the stars of a line 2023 a year in review so what i've got down uh so obviously you put together a nice little interesting different sort of structure for us and the first bit is kind of honorable mentions um I'm not going to, I guess, because I've got like one, two, three, sort of like six or seven here. I'm not going to say too much about them because obviously some of them we've reviewed on the show. Others were kind of from Fright Fest and stuff. So I'll just kind of explain briefly why. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. Do you want to do like what? Do you want to like bounce back and forth? Yeah, let's do some round robin and we both be ready to shush the other one if it's in their top 10. If it's in the top 10, just shush the other one. Shut up. Fingers on lips. Right. You can go first if you like, Ben. Ready to go. Can I? Yes. Uh, I've got an honourable mention for Mafregan. Megan. Oh, say no more, Ben. We'll talk about Mafregan a little bit later. <laughs> talk about um, yeah, I'll just, I mean, all I'll say is I did really enjoy it and it's something that I, do, I would like to go and watch again. It's a nice sort of um, introductory horror film, I think, for younger audiences. I don't know if there's much blood and guts in it. Is there? Um, didn't quite crack my top 10, but I guess I'll explain Worth a mention. more later. Worth a mention. Um, my first honourable mention, I feel you might shut me down on this one. I think because its link to horror is not so explicit, but it was a phenomenal film, which I think is worth talking about. My first honourable mention is Raging Grace this year. Yep, that's what, that is in my top ten. I shall that say no more, 10. Ben. We'll come back please, to it. Please say, please say no more. Uh, my next honourable mention is... The Last Video Store, starring Mr. Kevin Martin, obviously, who we've, we've had on the show just last week. Um, and I've there's an interview episode with me and him and the director as well. It's out there on, on all feeds. This was, I mean, it didn't quite crack my top 10, but, you know, it's definitely so- solidly in my, I usually do a top 25 movies of the of the year, and it's solidly in that. I certainly top 25, and that was all genres as well, right? So not just top 25 horror. Yeah, that's right. All genres is cracked. It's cracked it there. Um, doesn't crack my top ten horror for this show. Just, I mean, it easily could. Just, I love the heart of it. It's a really well made film, and Kev is like amazing in it. Um, and kind of off the back of that, honorable mention to Paradoli as well. Obviously, we don't tend to. We're not including shorts in our top ten of the year. But what I've kind of been really enjoyed coming together is obviously. Getting to know certain filmmakers this year, especially with Fright Fest, interviewing them, but then having them on the show as well. Getting to know these people, 
um and kind of like building something of of a of a really decent connection like it's been amazing having Aaron on, on the show getting to know him but i've also been fascinated by like the marketing campaign of this short film as well um like all the events that they've kind of had alongside it and obviously producer producer and director and everybody else uh the the cast are always getting together as well it's just really great to see and i'm really excited to see what um comes next whether it's going to be a paradolia feature film or what another one that's definitely worth a mention for sure and i had last week during my honorable mentions as well but my next honorable mention then i've just got three more to throw at you um is the seeding which i believe we saw together no no i didn't i think it was you and luke who went to see ah me and luke on this one so yeah um I expect people will be talking about this more next year when it gets a general release. It was a Fright Fest film for us, but um, settings were phenomenal, real-world settings that I think were incredibly effective in building up the tension. It is largely set in just a large crater in the middle of the desert that our protagonist cannot escape from, imprisoned there by some horrible kids. Um, And he's trapped there with um, with this woman who's also mysteriously down there, and it's about it's a lot about the relationship that goes on between them. There's some dark and horrific moments in there. There's some great psychology in there. But the thing I wanted to call out for, as you say, Ben, these are just glancing off uh, my top ten in a in a really competitive year, I think. But mm. um, some of the performances, particularly from the two leads, um, incredible 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 like visceral physical acting from both of them um i think it'll go a long way when it sees a wider release hopefully this year and like we've done with lots of these other films then we've got to mention them i will be looking closely when i start to see news of them being on streaming platforms you know i'll be on here shouting about it and so on as well Oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely keen to keen to watch that. Still a few things I missed from Fight Fe- Fright Fest that I need to check out. Um, but continue continuing on honorable mention stuff. But still got a few more for uh, um, Fright Fest, including How to Kill Monsters. I was kind of deliberate on this. It was very came close to, to hold on to that one. We'll be hold uh, on to that one. Yeah, hold on to that one. Yeah, and I feel the same. I'm going to mention the next two Fright Fest ones all together because How to Kill Monsters, Punch, Suitable Flesh, all great Those are my last two. Let's pull both of those together as well. Oh, yeah. So Uh, let's do Punch first, shall we? Great films to watch with audiences, uh, great British films um, with loads of British talent involved, not Suitable Flesh, of course, I'm talking about Punch and How to Kill Monsters for me. Um, Yeah, and some that I took away from... uh, Fright Fest, and they'll stay with me for a long time. Suitable Flesh as well, another one that um, I'm. It's kind of fascinating to just see. Just a wild watching experience for us, right? Like in that huge screen, the first one we saw of the first festival, film, yeah. Um, and it's and it's absolute madness. And since that, I went back and watched Joe Lynch's previous film, Mayhem. It's really good. Oh yeah, Mayhem's brilliant. I need to watch that as well. It's on Shudder, um, or it was, until I said this sentence out loud, which will have caused it to be delisted. <laughs> Immediately. Uh, yeah, all, all, all really good times. Um, and again, watching them with an audience, watching them on a big screen, really does kind of like make an event of the film, doesn't it? And I think that's why they were so impactful for me. Um, and yeah, Punch, like a slasher movie set in a British seaside town. Hell yes. Yeah, for me, it's phenomenal that someone hasn't already done this, but it was 
Mm. Really, really good. I really, I, I had, I had a lot of fun with it. As you say, a lot like a lot of the Fright Fest films that we're going to be talking about. Great to have it with an audience. Such a good atmosphere, and mm. I think you already mentioned it. Like, I'm certainly seeing as we've started to cover more in the way of festivals this year, and certainly doing one in person. We've been interacting with the makers a lot more. Um, you know. For right or for wrong, it goes a long way when you can talk to the people behind it and the reasons for making the film mm-hmm. really enhance your enjoyment of them. And when they're just nice people, everyone we yeah. met there was was really lovely. And I think that's really enhanced my enjoyment of the films. Yeah, most definitely. And I was just checking because Andy Edwards on Twitter, director of Punch, he has um, announced that film... The film Punch will be out January the 15th and 16th slash 16th in the UK slash US. So I'm not sure exactly where it'll be available. Um, I'm assuming, I don't know if he means in theatres or video on demand or whatever. So I guess well, as soon as we've got more information on that, um, we'll be able to find out. We'll get it shared. And then um, we've met Andy. You can see me interviewing him about one of his previous films when he did a section of the Midnight Peep Show at mm. Fright Fest Glasgow last year, maybe. Yeah, um, that's right. That's yeah, we, we, he did a section of that and we did an interview with him on there. So you can hear me talk to Andy uh, about mm. that. And that's when Punch was merely in production, a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. And then during the Fright Fest episode, we spoke to like three of the stars of it, as well as Andy uh, in, in the, in the Cineworld Leicester Square foyer. So yeah, go and check that out. That was amongst the hustle and bustle of, of a, of a movie Old London premiere. town. Old London town. It was madness, but what? But what a time, eh? What a time. Yeah. Um, and the only other, I don't know if I brushed over anything there. Uh, the only other one I've got down is "It's a Wonderful Knife." Now, in terms of slashers this year, I was I thought it was a great year for slashers. I was really into "It's a Wonderful Knife," but there were a couple of slasher movies that pipped it to the top ten for me. I enjoyed "It's a Wonderful Knife." I kind of had an all right time with "Totally Killer" as well, um, but in terms of like the slasher movies that had an impact with me there in the top 10, but it's a wonderful knife worth mentioning just Absolutely. for the title alone, I think. Um, and I did have a brief little section for us to just talk about disappointments before we get into the top 10. Now I don't want to be super negative. Of course we don't, but yeah, we'll tell, we'll, we'll always just gotta tell how it is. And yeah, People yeah, come to us for prob- honest opinions. The problem is, right, we tell it how it is. Some people just don't like that, all right? Some people don't like it. They can't handle it. Afraid of Whereas it. They're afraid of it, scared of the truth. And it's us. Now, being silly, of course, but disappointments, Andy? Um, I, I tell you what, my disappointments have been probably the things that have, that have had the most hype for it. And I don't think this is exclusive to horror content either. I think franchise and well-known ips have been the things that have really suffered for the last couple of years now Mm -hmm. under the weight of expectations under arguably some of the safe bets or financially motivated decisions they've had to make um halloween ends was not this year so we'll say more than no more than its name hellraiser (laughs) was last year which for all its successes i think could have gone a bit further um and this year um although new scream was perfectly serviceable i think that's all it was now i reflect on it 
I've got Scream 6. Down. Oh, and of course, The Exorcist. Yeah. So Exorcist Believer for me was the big one because I kind of felt, I, I didn't feel too confident about it after the trailer and the poster and like how late in the year we got, we started getting these things based when it was released, what, in like October. And yeah, it just was, I don't mean like it wasn't serviceable. It was just incredibly bland, seemed to mistake um, some characters from the original. Didn't seem to quite get it, did it? Um, no. Which was disappointing. And Scream Six for me, the reason I've got that down is because it was kind of serviceable, but I've it's completely forgettable. I can barely remember anything about it. Um, I remember the kind of like Ghost Face Museum thing, whatever it was. Yeah, the Ghost Face Cinema Museum. The Ghost Face Cinema Museum. But other than that, I don't hardly remember anything. And of course, now the controversy surrounding Scream Seven as well. It's like, where does this leave the franchise? But as I mentioned previously, luckily we've had some really good new slasher films this year as well. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the solution for Scream. You have to season of the witch it. Yeah. You do, do a completely yes. unconnected one where there's a mad bloke who is gonna kill people with masks that teleport snakes into them. Yeah. And that's Scream. Uh, yeah, that's what Scream's up to now. What's everyone else? There's no Scream. Now there's just uh, snakes on a goddamn plane or something. I don't know. Something mad. Uh, I mean, I've also got the Boogeyman down as disappointment as well, just because in terms of another big franchise, not franchise, sorry, but another big studio yeah. movie, especially it was based on a, a Stephen King. Yeah, uh, I, um, I mean, damning there, I guess, that I had completely forgotten the Boogeyman even to put it into my Mm. disappointments list uh, and it's not a th I think the direction on it is really solid the performances are good like Rob Savage is a director who has proven himself with his independent films that he knows how to do things that are scary and he mm. knows how to really carry a story with yeah, the performances yeah. he gets I think it was mainly because of who the director was as well that made me kind of think yeah. oh, I can't wait to see this director take on a big a big budget like studio film and but yeah just kind of and i think technically very strong but i just i wasn't blown away by the by the story it felt very by the numbers which you know it is what it is i guess your mileage may vary it is what it is um and the last disappointment i've got down is skinnamarink the reason i've got that down is because for all the hype online, you know, film Twitter was going crazy. Horror, horror fans were going crazy. It's Marmite. You love it. You hate it. For everything and everything I read about it and all the visuals that I kind of saw, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what the hell happens in this. And unfortunately, yeah, it just didn't land for me. It wasn't It wasn't even a cup of tea. Um, I, I think I kind of get why some people like it. But at the same time, for me disappointment because especially when something like that comes out of the left field i'm kind of like oh wow i can't wait to see what this is all about and then it was just like a bit bit boring maybe that's i think we said i think we said it on the episode um a great art installation and i think it was a great um it can conjure a great feeling mm. if those if those are things that click with you but it was already a short film which yeah i feel was completely enough adequate i don't think i needed a it's not even 90 minutes, is it? It's like, is it over 100? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll have to look, yeah. have to look that up. But yeah, I um, if you love it, I think that's that's absolutely great. But I 
in the nicest way in the world with all the respect for the creativity and the craftsmanship of making it i could not watch that again for fun <laughs> yeah i don't think and, and if i think about a normal there. and if i think about a normal cinema goer as well like if i went upstairs and saw my wife and said oh we're going to watch a new film called skin and marie not only would i not get to choose the film again forever i think i'd be getting divorced She'd be like, what yeah. the fuck have you put on? What have you done? Is it is it started yet? Yeah, I love it. Um yeah. I can't can you imagine like going to that in cinemas? But not just yourself. Like because like, I think me experiencing it, I might be like, Oh, I'm kinda of running out of patience for this, but you know, I get it. But still. But imagine like uh someone who's gone in completely blind. You'd be yeah. fuming, wouldn't you? You'd be fuming. <laughs> you'd be fuming. <laughs> Absolutely livid. Absolutely. Price of a cinema ticket these days. Expect something to happen. I've got a bloody large popcorn here, you know? But again, I don't want to be feeling like I'm shitting on it because. No, no, I I think anything we've said, it just, it was disappointing for us based on our experience versus the hype or the weight of the franchise or the amazing credibility of of the creator. And I'll be the first to say, I genuinely like things that people consider bad all the bloody time but yeah. um i think you're right call them disappointments not necessarily bad films yeah that's it it's disappointments for us as well all all cinema goers are different all horror fans are different uh me and andy don't claim to be the authority on these things yeah i'm we glad all damn... of those films that i said i didn't really care for exist even, still even though we're pretty damn close yeah um so yeah, I mean the next bit would be doing. So we're breaking it up in terms of our, our ten. So we're going to do ten and nine now. Uh, did you want to go first on ten? Yeah, go on. Let me just count the list. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right, imagine number ten, Ben. Twelve is yeah. no one will save you. Twenty twenty three's Disney Plus in this country. Um, Brian Duffield. I've You've got, got it? it down. I've got it down. Uh, so what are we doing? So if if someone else mentions, if it someone else got has it got higher, it, we'll touch it later when you get uh, to the okay. highest. Spot. So shall we come back to no one will come save back you to then? it? Come back to it. Um, yeah. My let's... number ten. My number ten is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Please continue. Please continue. Very nice. Um, so I've seen a few people rate Thanksgiving highly. I think we had some feedback pretty much immediately. We've kind of put things on. Uh, Twitter and Instagram asking people what their favorite movies are of the year. Stephen uh, Stephen Christer says it was Thanksgiving. Stephen Christopher, sorry. I'll start reading his username. Apologies, Stephen. He says his, fa- his favorite was Thanksgiving. Fun holiday themed gore fest. I really, really liked it up until a point. And I feel like this was I felt like this with a lot of slashers. And I've mentioned it before, of course. When the reveal happens, I was a bit like, ah, bleh, bleh, bleh. Um, but it felt like a really nasty nasty sort of a sleazy slasher film 80s vibes very very silly um and just a lot better than i thought it was going to be i kind of assumed it was going to be one thing and it, and it ended up being a lot more enjoyable so thanksgiving eli roth as well a filmmaker who my enjoyment of is you know pretty limited i would say in terms of in terms of the films he's released i'd never really been a hostile man uh cabin fever is all right. I don't mind the Green Inferno. You know that might be a that might be a controversial take. Don't like controversial takes. Look elsewhere. Um, that'll be the 
that'll be the title of this video. It'll be like controversial take on Eli Roth movie brackets gets heated. <laughs> I like Green Inferno, and <laughs> that's it. The end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed Thanksgiving. It wasn't enough to crack my top ten, and maybe that's because I have no relation to the holiday. I've never been grateful for a thing in my life. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was. Um, I think the kills are really creative. I, yeah. I think I agree with um, something that Kev said when he joined us last week. That, and I won't spoil it here. Yeah. I know we've got a whole episode of doing that. If you want to come and join us, um, go back in the list. Mm. Um, I would have ramped up the dinner scene yeah. and then maybe not had a finale in a big old warehouse. Yeah. But. Um, Bit generic, but, wouldn't yeah, it? that's 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 being picky. I, I liked I liked what we got, and I liked the who done it element of it as well. Yeah. Uh, number nine. Number nine for me. I am safe in the knowledge that you're not going to ask me to stop because I don't think you've seen it yet. Um, number nine was another fright fest one for me, but it is available for everybody right now, and that was Black Mold. Nice. Yes. Um, Black Mold was another one where. I really feel like I got such a boost in the enjoyment from having met with some of the the cast and crew. So mm -hmm. the director, John Patter, um, they found all of these locations. Just to give you a little thing, if you haven't seen it yet, so while exploring a decrepit abandoned facility, an auspicious photographer faces off against her traumatic past. And what this is, is a couple of photographers, a couple of friends going around and they are doing some some photography of abandoned places um really really stunning um sign kind of location finding here and listen and speaking to john revealed that all of these locations were just abandoned places that they found so yeah. this isn't set dressing this isn't um you know this isn't a studio that's made to look like this these they have found these abandoned places and it sounds like I had a phenomenally difficult time putting these things, um, putting these things together, um, you know, getting power out to these locations, even so they could film in these spots. And I think it makes for a really effective movie. And there are some really tense moments. There's some good psychological scares that are in there. I really liked um, the, the cast as well. So Jeremy Holm was the, enigmatic man upstairs um he yeah. plays a couple of roles in there um in kind of without spoiling anything he plays different characters in kind of different guises and it's really really interesting um kato was uh cj Mueller, who was there we we met her live in the at the location ever so lovely ever such fun brings a good bit of fun and comedy to the to the movie in the in the short scenes that she's in uh, and Andrew Bales as well playing the male lead. Um, mm. Really good range from being, you know, it goes through the psychological ringer of being quite a happy-go-lucky, jovial person to experiencing real fear and then really starting to come apart as things progress as well. Mm. Um, I just really enjoyed it. And it was a good one to watch in the in the dark cinema and focus on. But now... Um, if um, Tubi is available where you are, Tubi been making big steps in getting um, 
horror that's available for free on that platform these days. Um, you, it does not exist in the UK yet, but it is very, very VPN friendly. So if you put your VPN on, set it up with your Gmail account, and it thinks you're in the US, it's quite happy to let you to log in and watch that as well. Um, I'd recommend, especially for that price, it's worth checking out. Um, mm. And it's my ninth favorite film of last year. Amazing. Uh Number nine, I've got down an, a Fright Fest film as well, Founders Day. Oh, do continue? continue. Do continue. Now, uh, as I said, good year for slashers. The four that probably could have made my list, It's a Wonderful Knife, Totally Killer, Thanksgiving, and now Founders Day. Um, I think Founders Day for me was the strongest. I know it's not out yet, um, it, a, a wide release. Um, I think that is coming up. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure on dates. But you again, would imagine I mean, if it's Founders Day, bearing in mind what it's about, there is an election in the US next year. So will they time it around that? There we go. That would be good. Wouldn't it? That would be good thinking. Good marketing ploy. Um, yeah, I think this was, again, enjoyable because we met some of the cast, met some of the we met the filmmakers as well. Afterwards, it was really cool to find to find out more about the film. But I just think in terms of like reveals, it was one that was very, it had a lot of layers to it. It was very nuanced. I think some of the kills were great. Uh, the mystery that unraveled at the center of it was very interesting. It was a nice social commentary. Some nice, uh, I think the dialogue was great. There was a great, some great characters as well, like really, really memorable characters. Um, and don't get attached to anyone because next scene, they might end up dead. Um, so yeah, I think 2023 was a great, great year for slashers that aren't major franchises uh and this was one of them so that's my number nine yeah um join you with a quick comment on founders day possibly and i'm only saying this looking there my top 10 this year is really light on slashers normally much much higher bearing in mind the things that i mm. that i typically enjoy um Founders Day is possibly my favourite as well, which is so wild in a year that there was a new Scream movie that this brand new one, probably yeah. the most enjoyable. I think I said that to the direct to the director um, and the writer, even though, hey, I'm not gushing too much, not just trying to impress them. But I was like, this is the one film where I'm like, blow Scream 6 out of the water. And mainly because Scream 6, where it falls apart when the reveal happens, Founders Day, there's like so much to it. And it's not straightforward. I think a lot of these slasher films try and be too straightforward where they're like, okay, now this is the killer and this is why they did it. But I think that this was the reasoning and everything behind it and the reveal was far, far more interesting. Um, it was really yeah. interesting. Uh, hopefully people will get to see that later this year in chapters about it then, eh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Do we take a little aside at this point and do one of our yeah. other topics? So a little aside, now we're going to be talking about our best first watch, but I have also included the word rediscovery in oh, this. Oh, okay. And that's mainly for me because um, the one the, the film I wanted to mention is a rediscovery, so I didn't want to okay. be like, uh, yeah, what have you got for me? Um, I'm just going to go through these quickly if you want me to dive into any of them. A lot of them have been driven by episodes that we've done this year. Um, and talk about this all the time partially because the film partially because of the good time we have talking about them with excellent excellent guests we've had this year so things that fall into that category for me hell house llc was a first watch for me this year 
quickly yeah. devoured the rest of the series. I've still got to finish the newest one. But talking to the end about it was really fun. Um, really affected found footage. Um, I enjoyed Terrified when Ash came and joined us for her first visit to go through I've Terrified I've got that as down well. as well. I've got Terrified down. Again, great episode, uh, great guest, and like one of those films where I'm like, how have I never seen this before? Yeah. So, Amazing. so effective. Super um, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, another episode we did yeah. this year when Jalen came to join us. Um, yeah, really, really, you know, I still wanted to mention it, maybe not in the strictest sense of the word, a horror film. It's got some supernatural elements to it, but really yeah. good, really enjoyable. Uh-huh. Like uh, a good a good film to watch. Those are the last of the um, episode-driven new discoveries this year. Uh, the other ones, I'm not going to say anything about because quite a few of them I would love to do episodes on in the future. So my other new discoveries for me this year were Frankenhooker, Trilogy of Terrors, the second one, Night of the Demons, House of Darkness, and Scare Me. All great yeah. fun and new discoveries for me in the last 12 months. Yeah. Uh... How about you? So, yeah, Terrified, I had down. I think Hell House LLC is a great shout as well. Again, a lot of these films um, more enjoyable once we've done an episode on them as well and we find out everybody's relationship with these films. Um, so, in terms of best first watches, Tales from the Hood was one that really affects me. I find really, really great, um, especially considering like my my enjoyment of these anthology films have always been like pretty high, but I feel like this was so much better. Like it didn't have a weak section, which I think some of these anthology films have always got like one section, maybe two sections, where you're a bit like, oh, I could take or leave this. But this was great. And chatting about it with Adam Murray, obviously, who'd who um had met the director and had written a piece um as well for the release of it. It was just really interesting to find out more about that film and a, a great experience to 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 chat with him about it. Um, yeah, as I said, I put Terrified down. Best first watch of a film not episode related, I've put, and this would be great to do an episode on, Dark Water. Now, this year, a lot of my favourite sort of rediscoveries have been off the back of watching the J Horror Virus. Now, this documentary, obviously I'm going to mention a little bit later, I've mentioned that, uh, a documentary that we watched at Fright Fest, and we had the makers of that documentary, um, on the show to talk about that. And a lot of the films that, that they mentioned as being like the big J horror movies, I went and checked out some, which, which I was kind of like, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but it's not, ch- it's not changed my life. Dark water though. I was like, ah, this is like perfection. Um, this is like the, per- one of the most, one of the perfect J horror movies. Um, it just reminded me of so many things in, in sort of like media, horror media that, that I like. Um, and a great human story. And one of the reasons my top 10 list is shaped up the way it has this year is because <clears> of how, how good the human stories are in these films. And Dark Water really felt like one like that. But the, the human story was so, so interesting. And you were kind of like rooting for these characters um, and so, some tragic events, obviously. So you feel re- feel real bad when certain things happen. But yeah, just like a rainy dimly lit Japan with supernatural elements and some really genuinely big scares that are sort of like iconic that you that some some of you don't see coming. Um but yeah Dark Water was probably the one out of all of the ones I watched off the back of the J Horror virus and the episode obviously we did with the filmmakers when we talked about the grudge. Um 
that was the one that that sort of hit home with me the most. Uh, and I'd, yeah, I'd love to do an episode on that. Um, I've got a few more J horror movies down to watch yeah. this year as well, ones that I've never seen. Um, so like Door, uh, Cure. <laughs> Not that it, they didn't all Door right. and Cure. <laughs> Door and Cure. More. more um, and things like that. So going to be checking out more of those. And the best rediscovery for me, and I think I mentioned this when we discussed it fairly recently, Bram Stoker's Dracula. A weird one that I feel like I've, as I said on the episode, that I feel like I've kind of set aside for some reason or maybe not given it its due. I reckon for at least two or three weeks, I was obsessed with Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was like listening to the soundtrack. I was watching making of documentaries. I was just reading all about it and stuff. And I was like, why is, why, how come when I first watched this film, I was like, oh, yeah, that's all right. And then I watched it for the podcast. I was like, ah, that's a bloody masterpiece. What am yeah. I playing at? I feel like I, my, my consideration of it really went up because I feel the same. I feel like I watched it and goodness knows why at the time, the last time I watched it, maybe I'd come away thinking, oh, maybe it's a little bit dated now or, yeah. these other things and when i watched it back i was like bloody hell this is good it's so good so well it so well put like together it's got so many like classic classic horror sensibilities um some even like stuff like transitions in the between scenes are like almost like universal horror um sort of level and it just really suits the aesthetic of it and i think like the performances from everyone are like top notch soundtrack's amazing um yeah and I think it's just one of those films that that is going to last long in the memory, and is always going to be right up there when I talk about like my favourite iterations of that particular character. Yeah, Dra- really, Dracula, really mate. Dracula. Dracula, Dracula, his lovely chocolate bunny outfit. <laughs> I want that. I'm gonna want that armor for for summer weddings. Um. <laughs> so where are we? Are we at your number eight now? Yeah. So if we go back into the list now, we're at number. Eight was it me going first? I think it was you going first. Oh, was shall it? I go first again? So yeah, my on. number eight. Not sure. I feel like you might be telling me to pause on this one. Number eight. I'm going to be talking about when evil lurks. You know what? When evil lurks is my number seven. Oh, should we? Should we? Hold a pause. Let's let's not break the pause format then. Pause bit. just a second. What's your format. number eight? Number eight is no one will save you. Oh, in that case, we can talk about it because it was my number 10. Let's talk about No One Will Save You right now. With minor spoilers. Yes. Uh, yeah, just a, no dialogue. Well, pretty much no dialogue. Um, and I pretty much knew nothing about it, apart from the fact that there's some sort of alien invasion happening. Uh, home Alone with varying little weird alien people. Uh, weird alien with, people having the shittest day at work ever. Having the shittest think, that's just their job, right? They go, yeah. oh, just go and abduct, abduct this woman, will you? There's probably their supervisors like watching them. Go, the fuck are you doing? They're in so much trouble when they get back, and one of them's got like a little model church stuck in his head, and oh. someone else has been absolutely like mugged off in the kitchen. It's, oh, it's 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 a great visual movie. Yeah, it was it was a great. Is it a great like home invasion film? Isn't it? Uh, and it's super super tense. Almost in the same way that like Don't Breathe um is a very sort of like um visual it hasn't got a problematic sensory, old man in it. 
It's not got a problematic old man trying to artificially inseminate anyone, but it's like a very sensory experience, isn't it? Where you're like, yeah. And the fact that there's no dialogue and no one will save you really adds, really ramps things up. And yeah, I, I had a, I had a great time of it. Again, another film where I think I kind of only found out about it. Like, oh, what's this? Everyone's going on about this film, and I was like, right, let's find it and stick it on. Like that sort of experience. I didn't really know anything about it going into it. So um, yeah, Disney a... Plus, right? So. It's on there. Certainly yep. UK. I don't know what it is if you're elsewhere. Maybe Hulu if you're in the US. Yeah. Hulu, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. So that means our so my number seven and your number eight is When Evil Lurks. When Evil Lurks. Um yeah, let me say Terrified. So yeah. from the same director as Terrified. Yeah, and I think that as much as we astounded having watched smile before we watched terrified and then seeing it's probably most iconic moment appear in an argentinian movie a couple of years earlier i feel like there are so many moments in in when evil lurks that are going to be referenced and listed across the board in in years to come in english language releases uh even the poster um you know the poster the the red image that you've got of the woman holding the axe takes you back to some of the scenes and i know we've talked about it on a couple of uh a couple of events we've done small reviews of it but i think luke hit it on the head last week when he's like oh i like to see a movie i like to see a horror movie that after i step away from it you think i've been tainted or something's been indelibly changed in me by watching this film been changed forever and i think this this does that there's some there's such deeply disturbing visuals whether it's the big giant man that's dealing with like the physical ailments yeah. of a possession in the beginning the piece with the goat um, i'm not going to spoil it it's a, readily available on shudder now you can go and watch it but mm-hmm. there are some moments in that one where you have a fear that a certain thing is going to happen and then it I think your sensibilities as a as an audience when we think, oh, that's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen off screen, or we don't, and then it happens and you see it happen, and yeah. it's horrifying. There were so many moments when I watched that film where my mouth was literally like, oh yeah. my goodness, that's actually it, happened. It's a very visceral film. Um again, probably another one where the the ending didn't quite stick for me, but I think everything that came before it, I was so invested that that it makes my my top 10 easily and really excited to see what the director um does next yeah absolutely absolutely and you're right maybe and maybe the falling at the end perhaps a little bit is because it's so hard to maintain that level of intensity yeah. for so long um, i think just like the, the the sort of mythology the rules of the universe were like a little bit confusing i think that's kind of it Especially when, I mean, and we can't complain about this often because most films are in English for our convenience. Following it via subtitles maybe gets a little tricky for us. I guess the alternative to that is to to learn Spanish and bloody get on with it. But um, Just bloody get on with it, mate. Really, really, really worth seeking out, I would say. And I think you are going to see the yeah. visuals lifted for the next few years. Yeah. Wait, are we at your number seven? Have you got number seven? 
Uh, oh yeah, my number seven, of course, because that was your number seven. My number seven, Ben, was we mentioned it earlier in your honourable mentions. It's time for us to talk about Mithrigan. Oh, Mithrigan! Um, this is my Terminator Three, Ben. Uh, like I, I almost <laughs> entirely neglected this because, technically speaking, if you look at the letterbox, it's 2022, but it was a 2023 release for us here in the UK, January 2023. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a really fun movie. I haven't got around to watching the uncut, slightly more bloody version, um, but I just think visually, thematically, in a world where we're looking at advancing technology and robotics actually going into people's homes uh, in a more realistic way now, I think mm-hmm. the performance capture on the Mithrigan Megan character was was really strong and it's fun yeah. right it's it's a fun like it's quite a fun movie that little yeah, boy yeah, gets his ear fun. pulled off and then pushed in front of a car had it coming yeah um, coming have your ear off mate see you later he's a rotter glad his ear got pulled off um yeah I, it's been it's been the best part of a year now um I might seek out the uncut version and watch it again because I remember having a such a great time at the cinema, and yeah, in a in a time where I am, and we'll talk about when we look about things we're looking forward to. There is very little imminent in the way of franchise stuff or follow ups to stuff, horror or otherwise, that I'm mm-hmm. actively looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward sequel. to more Megan. There's a sequel confirmed, right? Yeah, I believe so. Megan yeah. 2.0, I think. Megan 2.0, is that what it's called? What are we going to call it when there is a Mithrigan 3? Just actually Mithrigan. Mithrigan, yeah, I mean, it's got to be done, and they can't not call it that. Um, Yeah, I, I'm really excited for more of these, because I think there's mm. so many directions you can take it. It could become really interesting. And I had yeah, a lot yeah. of fun with it. What were your thoughts, though? Because we obviously paused on them earlier. Yeah, yeah, as I said, it didn't make quite make my top 10, but I had fun with it um definitely one of those films that i think cult culturally had a lot of a, a big impact by, by culturally i mean like the meme world had a lot of fun with it yeah the dance um yeah i enjoyed it and as, as i said a good introductory horror for sort of like young audiences as well if i'm remembering it correctly but yeah i think i think probably if it went in the direction of being a bit more like super violent and stuff would it have been as um enjoyable i don't know yeah so yeah I, i'd be interested maybe we should make a point of watching the new the secondary cut of it and seeing if it yeah improves or degrades our opinion at all mm-hmm. um okay so the next thing i've got down for us is to talk about our favorite horror tv of the year um this was quite tough because i don't think i watched that much horror tv you might be um correcting me now or make me remember stuff but i've only got one thing down have you got anything i think we both what we pro i've got two but i imagine both of us probably watched the same big one because we did a special episode on it oh remind me you've forgotten about the last of us this year then it's your oh, favorite Jesus! thing no way no way was that this year yeah it feels like a lifetime ago doesn't it yeah the it last really of us does. was um it was it was huge, um, and yeah. I am very rarely one to be watching a program concurrently as it's coming out. Yeah, um, 
like fall behind these things all the time. We'll wait until they're all out and watch them all. But The Last of Us was a week to week thing for me. Yeah. Um, and Couldn't I say this as someone that has no relationship with the game. Well, have the relationship where I've had time to buy them, but not time to play them. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. And I know the big standout moment that people have talked about a lot is that, is it episode three, episode four with um, with the, uh, the, John the, Offerman the, in it? Um, Nick yeah. Offerman, sorry. Um, the, uh, the relationship episode, yeah. the heart-wrenching episode. Absolutely um, phenomenal performances. I know there are elements in the world like, oh, it's got it's got people who aren't straight white men in it. How dare you? But um it's uh, what? What? Yeah, and yeah, obviously so, like uh, yeah, there's... I love the I love the discourse that goes alongside that because that just makes me enjoy it more. When I see people getting up in arms about something that they clearly don't care about, like people who clearly never played the games, clearly don't know anything about this world, getting up in arms about an episode based on a a a, a, a homosexual relationship. I'm struggling to say it, and I always said it. I don't know what I was trying to say, but it, people get up in arms. It makes me like it more. Um, and when Pedro Pascal tells them all to shut the fuck up, and Bella Ramsey tells them all to shut the fuck up, I love it. And I love the yeah. fact that it's in good hands. You know, it's in it's in good hands of the makers of the game. Um, and Pedro feel, feels absolutely perfect as Joel, and Bella feels perfect as Ellie. Um, and I wasn't sure how it was going to come together, but now I'm looking forward to season two, which I think is this year next ever year? so slightly delayed right because of strikes and everything yeah. but i believe it's back so. in production yeah right now um yeah i i really really enjoyed it as i say but despite not having anything other than a passing relationship with the game i'm now just my head is awash with things that you don't care about in another world that you could just be outraged with like you could it'd be like you ben finding out that alan titchmarsh has planted daffodils next to bluebells and be like that doesn't <laughs> yellow and blue together we all know what that means don't we yeah no. Bloody... yeah outraged um, life? yeah phenomenal yeah he's fine last i checked <laughs> um checking on him every week um right, what was your other one then if you were surprised by the last of us what's your other one i don't know why i didn't remember the last of us i think when i was putting this list together i was kind of like just really quickly went oh what tvs did i watch um so I've got Junja Ito's Maniac down, um, the animated Netflix. Oh, we only watched anthology. the first one. Though. It was about the horrible family. About the horrible family. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And my my love of like Junja Ito stuff has kind of been quite late. I think I've only just started the last couple of years, kind of reading his stuff and seeing how how it sort of influences other sort of media as well. But this animated version, I think, was great, and I'm not sure what the fans, what hardcore fans of Jinja think, but I think it was really, it did really well at telling some of the, some of the, um, and it was quite, um, it respectful of the source material as well. I think I really enjoyed it. Like visually, it was visually it was great, um, and yeah, some real nasty, nasty stuff happened in these episodes. Go and check it out if you like your. Uh, Japanese horror or or manga or anything like that. I think for a year uh, in a year where I've really been enjoying a lot of J horror, this was the perfect year for me to kind of like for this to come out and for me to enjoy it because it kind of just hit all those beats that I kind of wanted it to. Okay, good stuff. Um, my last bit of telly um, is 
I've only had four episodes so far. They've had a little mid-season split, but I am once again up to date with Chucky. Season three is going now. Nice. It continues to be really strong, really tongue-in-cheek, just over-the-top ridiculousness, but having a great deal of love for the original. I mean, same showrunner, same director. Yeah. Um, you know, the the mastermind behind behind Chucky Andy Machetti's like he's he's putting these things out there. Um it's been split in half. So the second half of Chucky season three will be out this year. I'm not sure exactly when. Um, but the first four episodes of season three, really strong. They've gone to the extremes. They haven't gone to space yet, but Chucky is currently <laughs> in the White House. The president's son has him as his little dolly mate. Um, he's been to the Amityville mate. house this series. Um, literally Amityville house. Wow. It's it's it does not hold back on the gore in the kills at all. It is insane. Uh Lovely cameo in this new series from Keenan of Keenan and Kel fame. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it it doesn't hold back, and it is. It's really funny. It's it's a funny show, uh, despite having horrible, really really violent murder set pieces in it. It's it's funny throughout. It's a yeah absolute breezy. Like I would say, it's the most breezy watch you can have, where people also get brutally murdered every few minutes. Easy breezy. Uh... Yeah. Still need to check it out. It's still on yeah. the list. TV shows are the one for me. Like I'm a film guy. I like to watch a film and be done with it. TV shows always feel like a commitment, despite the fact I've read nothing but good things. Yeah, really, really good. Still recommending it. But yeah, that's it for TV. We back to the list. So my number six. You may be asking me to pause here because you haven't mentioned it yet. It would naturally be time for me right now to talk about my enjoyment of Evil Dead Rise this year. Oh, you're gonna have to put a pin in that because uh, I've got that on the list as well, but not quite yet. So, what have you got for your number six then, Ben? My number six is Infinity Pool. Oh, Infinity Pool. Well, why don't you talk about it right now? Because it is my number five. So go. we'll be about that. to go into it naturally anyway. Amazing. Um. So yeah, I another film, Brandon Cronenberg. I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Possessor. However, this has been one that kind of stuck with me a little bit more afterwards. And I was kind of like, oh, I wonder what that was all about. What did this mean? What did that mean? And all the performances were great. Um, Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goff going going crazy, saying, what was his name? James. James! Over and over again. I feel like that's been stuck in my head. Shouting at him eating some chicken on the, on the, the car. Chicken. And of course, as you brought up on the quiz, and it was my question as well, gives him an old cheeky reach around. Um, <laughs> yeah. He just nips off to have a little wee, and then before you know it, getting a bloody wristy <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> a wristy. Um, yeah, again, a, a very weird film, very a very uh, horny film. Definitely very horny. Um, loads of great visuals, body horror, uh, the unknowable, you know, very strange. Something that, something that kind of I've been thinking about. This I don't know how to describe this genre of something, right? But reminds me of like under the skin as well with Scarlett mm. Hansen. It's like body horror, but it's like quite alien. I know literal alien in under the skin, but Infinity Pool feels kind of alien as well. Um grubby. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, very, very much yeah, grotty grubby, as you like, isn't it? Grubby, grotty, horny, confusing, baffling, um, and alien is kind of the ways I would describe it. Yeah, uh, Infinity Pool for me, I think great character work on there, everything else you just said, but it's got such a level of even in normal interactions, just just has this feel feeling of surrealism across the whole piece. Yeah. I mean, we'll touch on it later when we talk about episodes we'd like to do this this year. I think Possessor has come up there now. I think because of the the time that Possessor was released and then just the the release schedule surrounding Infinity Pool, it was hard yeah. for us to do a live episode at time of launch. And then I think if, with a with a new release film if you miss the initial window, then you're kind of in like a bit of a dead zone as to whether you it comes across as you just hitting this late in the year of its release or you wait a bit and do it later. Yeah. I think Possessor almost immediately I'd like to go back and revisit quite soon, but I think at some point Infinity Pool probably warrants an episode to properly unpack and discuss as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 most most definitely. Um it's right up there in terms of and I'm again really excited to see what is next for everyone involved. Well, Brandon Cronenberg, yes. Mia Goff, I know she's going to be a Maxine this year. Um, fast becoming like one of my favorite. She's genre stars. Yeah, yeah, she's great, and I love it when she does her English accent. Cause a lot of people are confused by that regular voice. Um, so, so we should roll that... straight into your number five then, Ben, because that was my five was Infinity Pool. Yeah, did we do number six? Yeah, my number six was Evil Dead Rise, and we're saving oh, yeah, that until you get right, to it. And yours. My number five is Raging Grace, one of the movies from Fright Fest, one of my favorites from Fright Fest. Again, maybe one where you would say, "Am I am I putting a pin in this?" What am I doing? No, no, it was on my honorable mentions. Now's the that's time to take right, that pin out. That's right, take that pin out. Um, again, a film where, like on the surface, maybe not straight up horror. It's got some horror elements, definitely, but another film where the human story really. Um, increased my enjoyment of the film i think it's, it's got a great message a really interesting story and you can see the uh love and attention that's gone into the film from the uh from filmmaker paris um and yeah some amazing performances in particular from uh jaden who you interviewed straight after yeah. the film and yeah it's getting a lot of traction now a lot of people it's being being featured on a lot of lists i've seen for like favorite films of the year i'm not sure where it's going to be available to watch this year um, but yeah, it, it really it really affected me. And again, watching it on the big screen with an audience and seeing the sort of aftermath of it and everybody's reaction and the love and attention has gone into it from everybody involved made my enjoyment of it that much higher yeah. on the list. And that's why I I've think... included that's why I included a lot of stuff from Fright, Fright Fest because that it was the event and meeting everybody that kind of really did like get me right in the mix really here. increased the experience but like even without any interaction with the filmmakers uh, that we were lucky enough to have at fright fest mm. it was such a wonderful uh film to watch i mean i don't want to spoil any of it any of it here as you say it hit my honorable mentions purely because we were doing a horror list today and um as a horror film it's not entirely it definitely has horror elements to it it has every place to be a horror festival mm. but because of that i think as there's a as there's a particular reputation for with of horror fans in non-horror communities i think the natural assumption is that they're going to be quite 
cold and detached, um, you know, and not affected by things in the same way. But that film, mm-hmm. I saw. Am I misremembering, Ben? Like there was there were ovations at the end of that, right? People stood up and and there were ovations they... at the end, and I think after there was a lot though. of there was a lot of tears around there as well, like. And it felt like that. It felt like it's a very like um emotionally charged film. Um, and obviously a very personal story of the director, Paris Zorcila. So it, you felt that. You felt that. And I think that's why it affected everybody the way it did. You know, if if people are going to just be picking it up and watching it on demand or something like, people are still going to enjoy it. People are still going to be like, that was that was a heavyweight film. But just watching it with an audience is, is, is next level. Um, yeah. And some great great performances a great hu- and, I, and as i've already mentioned and i will continue mentioning a bloody great human story yeah yeah really really strong like really really loved that film and i again we talk about films that you'd recommend to the people this is a film i can't wait to be available places because i will recommend it to my wife and say right let's let's watch this film today because i think it's got yeah. such a strong message to it as well i think it can mm-hmm. be one that can be really appreciated from a character perspective really really good yeah um there we go and that's six and five for our list getting into the very top of the list next um well in a minute because we're going to talk about our favorite horror in 2023 in other media we're talking books yes. comics games uh i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna talk documentaries as well yeah uh where do you want to begin ben do you want to be- begin with games yeah we can begin with games why not right i've got a couple because i as we've mentioned, I think you're going to have a longer list of games than me uh, this year because I have not even got around to the Resident Evil 4 remake or the Dead Space remake. Um, but the two horror-centric things that I want to call out. Uh, the first one wasn't released in 2023, but it's continued to receive updates throughout. So it's in... I've mentioned this on the show, Ben, but I love, I fucking love me some Vampire Survivors what yeah. a game how would you describe this game for the uninitiated because i've not got around to it oh I tell you what, ben, you want to get yourself stuck in because <laughs> it costs like two quid uh, yeah and it's it's on the switch as well it's on the switch yeah. and it's got couch co-op you get charlie involved in that oh, so it is a um it is a passive uh game technically all you do as a player is move your character so you are in kind of eight bit um 8-bit visuals, you choose a character that is dropped down and the attacking happens automatically. So based on a weapon uh, that your character yeah, yeah. starts with, you know, the first character you you have unlocked at the game has like a whip, Simon Belmont style, and every yeah. few seconds the whip will cast out in front of him and attack something that's in front of him. And as you level up or as you find treasure chests, you get new weapons and as time goes on, more and more enemies start crowding towards you and it's such a phenomenally paced game. The unlocks are perfectly timed and you go from um, playing and surviving for five minutes to then gradually getting better because, you know, you unlock things as well. So, you know, with the money that you earn during the game, you go back to that menu between games and go, oh, I can unlock this and it means my character attacks 10% faster. So that yeah. so you gradually get stronger and stronger and stronger. You unlock more weapons. You unlock more characters, and then just when you think you've reached the limit, because the game technically runs at a thirty-minute timer 
So if you can survive at 30 minutes, the Grim Reaper just comes and kills you. Uh, and it's it, it instantly gets you. But if you're strong enough and you can get weapons, you can kill him and then go beyond that and unlock more oh, stuff. And it's gone Reaper. from and it's gone from a game where you are just having a little go at it to one where ultimately if you've leveled everything you could survive Forever. indefinitely because oh, you've Jesus. become so powerful. Um and so what are you being attacked by? All sorts of horror creatures, so bats, uh, mummies, zombies, medusas. Oh, and you're in these yeah. like hor- you know, there's a haunted forest, and then you're in a castle library and you go through these different areas. Some of the simplest, most compelling gameplay I've enjoyed in Sometimes, a oh, that's all long, you need. long time. Yeah, get yourself a copy of that, Ben. Treat yourself to the to a lovely copy of it on the Switch, and you'll have a whale of a time. Or get it on the PlayStation so you can do some couch co-op. Get involved. It's ever so good. Get the um, other tro- trophies on the go. Oh, yeah. Maxed out. And I just thought I thought I'd maxed out, but I had a quick glance at my achievements when I was getting ready to get set on this list today and some of the new ones have been put in. So I'm going to have to download it again and get stuck back in. Oh, yeah. Hell the yeah, other one happens. I'll mention, which I think you will possibly have something to say about as well, is that this year... I enjoyed the DLC to Resident Evil Village as well. Um, mm-hmm. Story-wise, a little bit of a retreading, a little bit lighter. They've sort of put a contrivance in there that gives you an excuse to be sort of jumping between areas that having to put sort of navigate between them too much. But mm-hmm. in saying that, probably as a single set piece one of the most intensive parts of horror gaming i've had this year uh the section in the dolly house where you have to navigate several of those things that always move towards you when you aren't looking at them yeah it's basically like a doctor who episode isn't it yeah Uh, you have to look at them all the time but then because there will be things at either side of you you have to change where you're looking or because you have to work out where a door is you naturally have to turn your back on them it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Was that this year? So Shadows of Rose, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the achievements I pulled on it were this year, so I think it must have been, because I don't think I sat on it too long. Mm. Sweet. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, I played that as well. Uh, anything else? No, that's that's me done. Haven't I had, had well, you already to... I played games, but not any horror ones, really. As you already mentioned, I did play. I mean, in terms of horror games, I've played Resident Evil um, 4, the remake, and also the DLC that went alongside that, the uh, Ada-centric uh, Separate Ways. Had a great time with that as well. I think Resident Evil 4, just like Resident Evil 2 before it, maybe not Resident Evil 3, although still still good, um, up there with like the perfect remakes. Like It just really makes the game, the story, the every single monster set piece, it just makes it so much more accessible because when you go back and play the old Resident Evil 4, of course it's classic. And I saw someone talking about it on Twitter recently, like, which one is the best, original or remake? It's like, original still is the best. But I think in terms of like modern modern gameplay, I think I'll, I would only go back and play the remake because mm-hmm. everything yeah. is just so much easier to, to sort of to, to get your head around. Some quality um, of life improvements, right? And that's probably the game you remember loving so much. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was amazing. I played it through several times on various difficulties just so I could try and unlock as much as I could. Um, and everything that felt like it was missing from the main game ended up turning up in separate ways. So absolutely perfect. Can't argue with that at all. Um, all Dead needed. Space. Yeah, Dead Space. Maybe like, yes, it's a remake, but it almost feels like a bit of a reskin in a way. Of course, the the gameplay has changed enough, but I think... Again, if you've never played Dead Space before and you want a really accessible version of it that looks great, sounds great, that is genuinely bloody terrifying, then yes, get yourself on that game 100%. Uh, enjoyed my time with both of those games. And as I already mentioned, World of Horror, I have downloaded Ready to Go. Um, and looking forward to Silent Hill 2 remake. Hopefully, we get, right hopefully we get our hands on that this year. Obviously, I did miss Alan Wake 2 this year, and that is in my list. That's my, yeah, my missed one as well this year. Want to get to it, but not yet. Yeah, I mean, in terms of other media, I know I said I was going to mention documentaries as well, so I'll quickly rattle through them. J-Horror Virus was right up there because it kind of made me really stand up and appreciate what I'd seen already, but also want to seek out every other film on that documentary and check out. So that's been like a huge thing for me this year. Um, the Robert England documentary, Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, that was great. That was fun. A real love letter to to him as an actor, not just for his work as Freddy Krueger. Um, Wreck, Terror Without Pools. I saw that at Fright Fest, the movie about the making of the Spanish found footage zombie film. Wreck, um, amazing. Again, all, all you can want from a film, from a, a documentary like that, uh, especially when it's a film you love, um, Another another great experience at Fright Fest. And the only other one I've got down here at the moment is I Am Monsters, the documentary uh, yes. with Nicholas Vince talking about his experience working on films such as Hellraiser and Nightbreed. And of course, I had an interview with him, a bonus episode, talking about that documentary. So you can check that out too. I tell you what, if you haven't, and if, if you're normally just a listener to other episodes, uh, you don't necessarily dive in on interviews and stuff, I would heartily recommend you check out uh ben's interview with uh with nick he's such a lovely man um and yeah, i think you lovely have lovely guy. you have such nice gentle chemistry with him and you have a really good chat i i really enjoyed this i was out walking the dogs it was a lovely sunny day when i was out oh, there with them and i just sat down on the bench for a little bit so i was like I don't want to go home yet. I'm going to sit out here and enjoy listening to the end of this. Did you imagine? Um, I, was, I was at I was at one side of you, and Nicholas Vince was at the other side, and we were just giving you a. a I was nice like that. Home. I was like that little boy sitting against the ice cream fridge, like <laughs> like <laughs> a lovely time. I like that sometimes, though. I feel like our our interviews are pretty good at like, obviously main mainline episodes, and when we have guests, things can get a bit silly. We can have a good laugh. We can have some nice segues, but I think our interviews are always nice and. Nice and sort of steady and reserved and like let's find yeah. out a little bit more about to this. So that we can be we can be uh serious on occasion. Serious film journalist, that's us. Yeah, serious film journalism. Um, did you have anything down for like comics and books? Um let me tell you. Uh, I will just mention comics this... I've got one. Yeah, if you've got something, will I pull it up? Oh, you've got a comic? I was just going to say, in terms of books, sorry to jump in, I was going to say, this year has been one for me, like reading the paperback classics of books that perhaps I'd not read before. Um, So I've read things like The Wicker Man, The Rats, The Keep, Rosemary's Baby, all these books that I'd never read before. Nice little uh, short reads, but still really enjoyable. And it's kind of made me want to continue 
my horror paperback collection into 2024, which is also the year when I've started back on the VHS collection train as well. So all of that classic, um, physical, classic media. physical media. Yeah. Yeah, you've really inspired me. I really do want to read, um, get and read The Rats. Um, yeah. I might have a book okay. recommendation here. Oh, in fact, I do. I will show you here to the camera. A lovely Christmas present I got which is part of the inspiration for one of our rounds of the quiz this week. I got this lovely book by, um, I assume a gentleman named by the name of Killian H. Gore. Um, might be a pen name as opposed to a natural name, but a lovely book of horror doodles that I got from my sister for Ooh, Christmas. Um, I'm not going to spoil the quiz book um, by writing in it, but I might post it to you when I've finished it, Ben, so you can enjoy it for yourself. Oh hell yeah! They've got some lovely pictures here um, oh. of of Ta wait clues clues of for horror films, and then it gives you a little clue. You can play along with a little quiz book. Ever such fun! I'm working my way through that. Um, but the last thing I wanted to recommend, uh, comic book wise, was <coughs> excuse me, uh, guest of the show last year, John Lee's came and joined us. Um, oh yeah. Just before the first issue of his horror-inspired comic, The Nasty, dropped, mm. um, I actually have uh, the last two issues to finish still. I need to pick them. I need to go and pick them up still. But uh, my local comic book store sadly closed in the year, so I wasn't able to pick up the last couple. Um, so I need to go and seek those out and make sure I've got the whole ones. But again... Uh, Big the last video store energy. I'm sure Kev would enjoy these too. But um, mm. it is about some group of young friends who work at a video store. One of them with an imaginary friend who is a an analog of Jason Voorhees, like a big stoic killer in a in a mask. Um, and they find a cursed tape that they watch, which unleashes some some horrors into the into the world really really good fun from what i've read so far worth seeking out if you like combining your horror with comics but now mm. those are my other media picks for the year amazing and we've both got copies of uh the bitmap books from ants to zombies mega hardback book all about uh horror in games um that's right Lee, you've got a copy of that yeah it is it's really good. I haven't finished reading it yet, but I'm working my way through slowly. Have a little glance. Yeah, six something. decades of video game horror, like a really big, thick co coffee table book. Uh, it's probably like my fourth book by Bitmap Books that I've got my hands on. Yeah, I've I don't got, know how this kind of like straight, passed. Me. I've got. Um, I'm got too straight, young to yeah. die. I've got that too. Hell yeah! yeah. Right I've, behind um, me, I'm looking back at the shelf there. I don't know why this passed me by because you sent me a picture of it. And you're like, I've got from ants to zombies. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, there we go. I don't know why, but for some reason, from the title of it, I thought, oh, maybe it's just a book about um, game enemies or something. Do you know what I mean? Like all the game enemies. I didn't realize it was just about video game horror. So as soon just as I saw the cover horror. of it, I was like, ah, yeah, that's what I should be should be getting on that. So I'll be reading that this year. Amazing. Uh, Is it time for four to two? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, and I guess I'll mention my four first because you've already mentioned it. It's Evil Dead Rise, number four. Oh, get on Again, it. Getting into the heavy hitters now. Uh, yeah, in terms of franchise horror, this was the 
best one of the year, wasn't it? This was the best franchise horror of the year. And it was, I think on last year's episode, I would have said it was one of the films I was looking forward to the most. Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I don't think it reaches the gory heights of, of 2013's Evil Dead. Uh, but I guess it gets pretty close. And again, I've got to say it again, and forgive me for repeating myself over and over again, a great human story. I was really into all of the characters and their, their kind of like relationships and their dynamic so that when people start getting deadited, deaded, mm-hmm. deadited, you really felt like, oh, no, not that person. Oh, I feel devastated. I love the setting. I love the sort of like single location setting, even though it is like a, a high rise. I kind of when I when I heard about it, I kind of thought, is this going to be like Dread or The Raid, but with Deadites? And I'm kind of glad it wasn't because I think it just felt a lot more. I love the sort of close, mm. close quarters nature of it. That made it more scary. The intro sequence was insane. The title card is like probably the best title card I've ever seen in my life. Um, uh, yeah, just a really, really it's such good... a smooth production, isn't it? Like for such a grotty subject matter, it is so well produced, so polished and put together. Um, the characters are likable. I like how no one is off the table. It's quite an extreme watching places yeah. i think they've done an absolute absolute masterclass in creating that discomfort in you in it being i've never in my life been accidentally swallowed a big bit of glass and i've never had anyone scratch down the back of my leg with a cheese grater but <laughs> i feel in my spirit i can imagine what those things feel like and i think that is a rare talent to create these things where you can almost wince from the things that happen in this week, because you can imagine what that would be like if it happened to you. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's the thing. When when a horror film kind of makes you almost look away, I don't actually look away, right? Because I'm, I'm I find it brave. funny, actually. <laughs> I, I find it, I'm big and brave, and I find it funny more than scary. Uh, not true. I, but yeah, when it almost <laughs> makes you look away, there were some moments in that, and there were some moments in my number two film where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can quite look. I need to kind of like look at it from an angle or kind of like through like like cl- half close my eyes where I'm kind of like, going, yeah, I kind of know what's going to happen. But as I mentioned, feels like, you know, those opening sequence in casualty, you know, something terrible is going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen, but everything that's happening, you're like, oh God, I can't, I can't handle the tension. Better than casualty, of course, but yeah. I know Charlie's <laughs> been at it for a long time, they say. It's true. Uh, yeah, so that was my there number four. There we go. Four, and I was sure What's your I think you're right. Like, same for me, probably the highest performing franchise sequel um, yeah. of the year. Um, my number four was Out of Darkness, also titled, certainly titled at the time oh, I saw it, yeah. as The Origin. Um, You've mentioned this a few times, haven't you? It was so good. Um, we went to go and see it. Um, our friend Hannah and I went to go and see it at... Um, at the DCA, the good people at the DCA who have been kind enough to point us in the way of a few great things from part of their Dundead. You can hear an interview with me and Michael Cool, their program director, um, yeah, talking about how oh they put God, those yeah, festivals together. Um, I hope to see them for Dundead some more this year. I see coming up early this year, already in January, they have a Dundead screening of T Blockers, which was oh, yeah. one of I the um, one of the films at Fright Fest this year. Um, but 
Out of Darkness, uh, a new title for a film that I saw titled called The Origin at the time. Um, Scottish director Andrew Cumming um, filmed during COVID lockdowns in the highlands of Scotland. I have never seen such phenomenal location work. It looks so, so desolate. Um, and just the the way that it's presented, I will always reward uh, in recognition of a big swing when it comes to filmmaking. And the yeah. fact that they got a linguist in to oh, study yeah. ancient languages and then just basically invent a language for these people. So they're all speaking a language which is not English. And it's based on these ancient African and Nordic languages sort of fused together to make an entirely fictional languages uh, language there where basically the, the, the crew and the, the cast are speaking to each other in this language, which should be unrecognizable to It's subtitled for, for, for mm. us in English, but it has feelings of the predator occasions. It has some, we talked about the ritual that I watched, it's got that oppressive nature about it as well. And without there even being sinister forces out to get them, it feels, even in those moments, just as they're interacting, they feel so vulnerable all the time because they're these people in this such a hostile landscape. And especially mm -hmm. watching it in the cinema, there's a moment where they're gathered around the fire. And as soon as you are, like it reminds you, you've ever been on a camping trip and it, you know, it's light and warm by the fire. But if you take just a few steps away, yeah. you are so exposed and out in the cold and darkness. So all the effort you put into this fire basically gives you just a few feet of like warmth and safety. And then all around you is this such oppressive darkness. Mm. And it is, I found it incredibly, incredibly effective. Um, I have no um, details in front of me as to whether it's now more widely available. I imagine got some details change of name. Have details you got some up? Thank you so much. Yes, what can indeed. you tell us, Ben? Um, theatrical release, 9th of February, 2024. Oh, um, my goodness. For Irish, Irish and United Kingdom rights. So it looks like we're going to be getting a UK release for that. Um, so, yeah, everything you've told me about it sounds, sounds great, sounds fascinating, and I, I, I'd love to see it. So super looking forward yeah. to that. Heartily, heartily recommended. Amazing. Um, so number three. My number three is the last one of my Fright Fest picks. Oh. And it is, it is my mother's eyes. Um, oh, please continue. I, <laughs> please I knew continue. this would be high, high on yours. So please do carry on. Now, of course, like as I've as I've mentioned. And as I mentioned on our Fright Fest episode, um, and and even the episode when we kind of did our Fright Fest awards, was that on the Fright Fest episode? I think it was, wasn't it? When did we do the Fright Fest awards? I think maybe we, we just... did them on the episode, right? We we were well, we were well, we were well together with all of our oh yeah right selections. We were very timely. So while I've talked, while I've talked about watching these films with audiences, watching these films, um, and getting the immediate reaction from from everybody, and speaking to the filmmakers, and chatting to the actors, and all this stuff, gives me such an appreciation of the film. The fact that director Takeshi Kashida was kind of like hanging out with us for huge sections of the festival, we were getting to know him, um, finding out about his his life in Japan. Oh, we were singing. We were singing. 
what were we singing? We were singing something. <laughs> we were about singing that. something. Yeah, we had to. We had a little sing song. We were in the bar. We we're talking about his. We we're talking about his favorite English artists, and we we're talking about our favorite um, Japanese artists. Like Luke Condor was pulling out some of the most bizarre, like uh, Japanese artists, and and Takeshi Kishida was like, "Oh yeah, how do you know? How do you know who they are?" So the fact that we can hang out with him, find out so much more about the film, and kind of like befriend him in a way made me appreciate that film so much more for everything he put into it. The fact that he did all of the audio work himself. And um, such a fast turnaround as well, right? He built, he did it, he filmed it in how many days? Was it like a couple of weeks? I can't remember. It was not long was at it? all. I can't remember. The fact Go that, back to our episode, he says it. Yeah. The fact that most of the actors are like first time, it's their first time performance, first time role for something like that. It just made me appreciate like everything about um that and obviously he gave me a copy of the blue ravers first movie woman of the photographs as well this is like it just made me appreciate that so much more like i couldn't even begin to imagine like what must go into it and it really does feel like um a film a film personal to him and you know the story the story is great as well it kind of feels like a like a, kind of like a black mirror sort of episode vibe but it's a really interesting premise really interesting performance and yeah a lot of eye stuff so if you're squeamish about eye stuff like the the audio stuff for eyes was was incredibly juicy uh which i loved and love yeah, a juicy I, eye i just really enjoyed it and it's been amazing and fascinating to see him like take that film now around the world um so now when i see him posting on social media like with the films like winning awards um premiering at different festivals of different countries and stuff it's amazing to see and i feel like like privileged and honored to have been like a very small part of it when it came over to the uk his his um his trip over from japan to to come to the festival and enjoy it and yeah i think that whole experience has bumped it up for me but i think i think i would have definitely enjoyed the film it would definitely made my top 10 but the fact that having that experience wrapped up with it takes it up to number um three for me i I very very much enjoyed it and i think it would have definitely been on my um honorable mentions list benna but i've been uh i was hedging my bets a little bit because i strongly suspected it was going to be one of your one of your front runners this year so I thought, yeah. I don't need to bring it up. I know someone who will. I know someone who will. It's me. Um, there we go. So what would be my number three now? I'm going to put another prediction out there, Ben. I suspect that my number three is your number two and my number two is your number one. Because I'm not oh, going to okay. say what that is now. So I could just say, oh, it was You think you right. know me, do you? You think I'm that yeah. predictable? We'll find out, I, shall we? I am. Uh, my number, number three. Uh, that's what we're on, right? Um my yep. number three is uh, talk to me, and that's my number two. So we can we can predicted. Shall we do it right now? Then um, let's do it. Talk to me was such a pleasant surprise when I went to go and see it this year. In a year where I've said it enough times this episode already, I'm really sick of franchise stuff. I need new ideas. I needed new <laughs> ideas. I needed new presentations, and talk to me was just the remedy for the things that I was sick of. It was yeah. a new idea. It was new faces. Um, and what I found about it as well, I think particularly as a piece of Australian cinema, um, for us in the UK, and I think I talked about this on the episode, 
I find Australian cinema particularly compelling. I think most of the podcasts I listen to are Australian, so I consume a lot of Australian media anyway. But mm-hmm. um, I think Australia hits a really nice mark for myself as a as a British audience member in that it's not here and it is different. But strangely, even compared to the US, another country where we share a lot of culture and a lot of language, mm-hmm. The cultural differences between the UK and Australia are, uh, they are different, but they're all, we're also incredibly close because of our shared histories together. Um, And I was hooked on this film from the opening scene where the older brother is going to find his sibling at a house party and walks up to a bunch of teenagers and goes, Oi. I was like, Okay. I, I, I'm comfortable with this. I'm in on it. And then I think the scares were incredibly effective. Yeah. I think this is probably the point where you were talking about a film, the film that you had to look away from. Yeah. It is relentless in some of its scares, particularly when the brother is dealing with possession and the, the, the creatures inhabiting him are trying to harm him. Yeah. It was it's devastating it's upsetting it's really uncomfortable but the, and then in another breath it's quite funny it's yeah. really again, the dialogue kind of, feels like natural dialogue of young people talking to each other not like middle-aged like, folks wrote it for them yeah you kind of let your guard down a bit don't you and then when the scares start arriving like again another visceral film um and this, and it doesn't rely on it on like jump scares or like soundtrack moments to try and really make you uh shit your pants. It kind of just has got it all there, and it's just I think it's just like a really cool film. And the fact that we're going to get a sequel to it as well, um, is pretty awesome because I think as we've mentioned before, there's so much potential for this to be a a, a big franchise. And again, that's good and bad because then we're like, okay. Is it just going to be a watered down version next? But hopefully, if the fil- same filmmakers are involved, um, it's going to be good. And then maybe they'll go, we'll do a third one, but then just das it, leave it. No more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to more talk to me. Um, and again, something I am actually excited to see more of. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, so that's your number three. Did you want to? Yeah. That's, that's my. Your, your number three, my number two. Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with it, Ben. I am fairly certain that my number two is your number one. So rather than reveal your number one by saying my number two, let's do another category and then we'll do the, we'll do yeah. those. Well, Cause that'll, that'll effectively be both of our number ones together. Yeah. yeah. At that point. I feel then. like I know what your number one is now. Yeah. Oh, initially I was like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And now we've got it. Um, so yeah, 2023 things you didn't get to yet. We've mentioned a couple of them. Alan Wake 2 is probably the big one for me because mm-hmm. I was a bit like, oh, I want a bloody physical release and I want the game to go on my shelf. And it was digital only. So I kind of let go. And then it was winning all the awards and, and game awards appearances and everybody saying it's like one of the best game narratives of the last five years or something. All that stuff has made me super, super upset and want to definitely want to play it. So I'm going to have to do it at some point early this year. Um, you're going to do your control playthrough and then get on it. Possibly, possibly. Let's see what happens, yeah? yeah. It's still, again, uh, it's because as a digital release, I always feel like, ah, oh, 
paying paying full price for a digital release. I always feel a little bit cheap. And, and there's always silly. a digital sale, which I think is triggered by you buying it. So yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. and you know, Valentine's Day's coming. It's coming up fast. It is. And you know what I love? Myself. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I was gonna say you could say to Charlie that no chocolates this year. I'm slimming. Don't <laughs> don't waste paper on bloody cards. Not sustainable. You know what's very sustainable? sustainable a digital release of a of the game. Yeah, so Alan Wake 2 was the big one for me as well. Um, I do intend to get on that. I've got another couple of things that I just didn't get to catch just yet. Um, I have started Hellhouse Origins, having enjoyed lots of Hellhouse mm. stuff this year. So I'm going to get through that. I've got about... Um, about a third of the way through, but uh, internet was being slow when I was watching it, so I was like, oh, fuck it, stop buffering, I'm going to try later. Um, Eight Eyes was a Fright Fest movie I didn't catch, and seeing John Crennan over the New Year period, he said it was possibly one of his favourite films of the year, so I'm really excited to catch up with that and my last one... There's loads of Fright Fest stuff. Oh, there's tons of Fright Fest stuff that I still want to catch. Yeah. But the last one I had on my list was Sister Death, which is, I understand, standalone, but also a prequel to... Have you seen Veronica? Oh, this is that Spanish? Spanish haunting, yeah. slightly versus sort of possession kind mm-hmm. of movie. And thinking back to that now, there is a character they talk about called Sister Death, um, well, like an old good. nun that they're all afraid of uh, in the convent school that they're at. Uh it's getting some really good buzz uh, listening to the good folks, our colleagues over at Nightmare on Film Street. I think it was one of John's movies of the year. Um, oh, so I want right, to okay. hurry up and catch up with that as well. Haven't yeah. seen it yet. So yeah, loads of um, loads of Frightfest stuff that I definitely need to see without a doubt. Um, what else have I got, Dan? Obviously I mentioned Alan Wake. Um, a couple of, I guess, is Bo is afraid kind of like horror? Yeah, horror I think adjacent. so. I haven't seen that yet either because three hours long, hard to find the time. Hard to find the bloody time. And Monarch Legacy of Monsters. I know again another thing that's kind of like horror, horror adjacent. I really want to watch this, but it's like another thing that I've got to subscribe to Apple TV. So I'm a bit like, oh, do I want to? I'm three episodes in, um, and uh, because I got like a three month free subscription which i think will last until the series has ended because i'm not paying for another thing but yeah that's how i feel i'm specifically logging on to it to watch to watch (laughs) monarch and nothing else maybe i'll do that then maybe i'll do that Let's let's look into that let's look into it um and yeah, in terms of other things I've missed, obviously I said World of Horror is is that game that I want to check out. Um but yeah, there's probably probably absolutely loads I'm missing off of that list. Um there's still some films, non-horror, like poor things in the Iron Claw, which I really want to see. Um bit delayed in terms of UK releasing on that. So that's that could be a look forward that. to this year instead. You're all right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. Uh Shall we finish off our top tens before we look forward to what we're doing next this coming year? Yes. So I'm assuming the the one that you, the one the, number one for me, the one that you assumed, and is it number two for you? Is that correct? Yeah. Although I need a caveat on this one. My number two 
for horror movies this year because of where it sits for ho- as a horror film for me in a non-genre specific list is probably my favorite film of the year yeah but i've bumped so, it for horror the for reason, a special occasion for a spe- for a special occasion the reason so we had a discussion about this before we were like we've done godzilla stuff on this podcast um we've done shin godzilla obviously as a mainline episode, and you did a bonus episode um, talking about Godzilla, speculating Godzilla speculating. X Kong, who the enemies are going to be, and, and now and now we kind of know. So I was a bit like, am I going to include this as as a, as a horror movie? We discussed it. We said yes. So I guess in terms of like horror adjacent slash big genre films, this is this is my number one. In terms of like, if we're going strict strict horror and being super super strict. Talk to me as my favorite horror movie of the year, mm-hmm. let's say. But in terms of this list, number one for me, and I'm assuming number two for you, is Godzilla minus one. You are correct. Um, we mentioned it a bit on the show last week, and I'm gonna sound like a bloody broken record here. This is in a year full of amazing human stories that I really connected with and uh enjoyed. This had the best human story of all, didn't it? Yeah. So so good and i think we mentioned it last week i cannot emphasize enough how disposable the human characters in godzilla films usually are mm-hmm. um but these were so good i loved yeah. them and i and like i didn't want any of them to be destroyed by godzilla like genuinely when they're in peril and like you know godzilla's charging up his big beam I actually, I was like, oh no, please escape. You don't want them to be destroyed. Yeah. And it's a combination of you care about the camp, the 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 characters. But yeah. additionally, they've done such a good job, as we discovered in the quiz. This Godzilla has gone back to the regular size of Godzilla from the original, smaller yeah. than lots of the other ones we're seeing. But they do such a phenomenal job in making it seem like an absolutely insurmountable force it feels yeah. completely undefeatable much like you would feel as a person when a monster would turn up like you yeah think, there's nothing i can do about this and you think- see some great moments of like you know the the rejoice they have when they think the military's coming to aid them and then they're just obliterated and it's mm. it gives the character such power and that's why I, i'm pulling it into horror because it's yeah. made Godzilla genuinely terrifying. Most definitely, yeah. I think that's why I'm happy to let let it be a horror film is because, yeah, Godzilla's terrifying. I think Luke last week described him as a menace. Like, he is just a, a otherworldly presence who has, literally doesn't care about wiping out hundreds of thousands of people in one go. Um, and yeah, obviously the camaraderie between some of the characters it remind remind me of Jules in a way. And obviously there's some you like the, the scenes at sea are genuinely terrifying as well. Um so I think that's why it, it easily falls into into horror horror genre. Because of course in a world where Hollywood movies have made Godzilla kind of like cuddlies, like a good guy's helping out, he'll only turn up if there's another monster and he gets ass kicked, let's yeah. fuck him up. It's easy to go, well, that's not really a horror movie, is it? But then you watch this and you're like, oh my God, it 100% is. Even just, it'll just, yeah, destroy a building, destroy a load of buildings, make a big explosion, and you'll just be killed by the, <laughs> by the, uh, 
force created by that. The you mere presence of the mere Godzilla presence is enough to him. kill you. Um, yeah. Yeah, phenomenal filmmaking. And uh, again, I'll sound like a broken record now if you've watched last week, but this was made for $15 million, which yeah. more yeah. money than you or I will ever see, Ben. You know, there ain't enough Patreon in the world to get us to <laughs> that kind of money. But compared to the, what, two, $300 million you see spent on a Hollywood blockbuster now, yeah, and I don't think this is poorer for it. I think the effects in this are good. Oh yeah, like you would never watch this and go, "Oh yeah, it's only a fraction of the Hollywood ones." Yeah, you wouldn't. The stats stands along alongside them one hundred percent. It's phenomenal, and I genuinely like. There's been for something that was meant to get a limited release, it's still running at the cinema near me. Mm-hmm. I might have to go again, and I do that oh. so rarely now. Like yeah. so rarely these days do I go and see a film a second time at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so good on the IMAX. You could feel it. It was it was incredible. The best cinema going experience I've probably had since Yeah. Oh, since I don't know when since maybe, records began. Maybe Avengers Endgame, because that was a lot of that was you know, the culmination of X number of years of films and it was a really good experience in a really full cinema. But yeah, Godzilla maybe for just a physical experience, maybe even tops it so, so good. Mm. Cannot understate how good that film is. And as I say, I bumped it to second on my horror specific list because I really want to recognize something which is a true, absolutely died in the wool horror film. Um, which also celebrates some independent creators who we'll talk about in just a minute. But Godzilla minus one is probably the best film I saw last year in terms of just any yeah. genre, any type of film, right up there. Right up there, hundred percent. So that's my number one, and your number one. My number like one I, by was... by process of elimination. I feel like I've worked this out. Go on, prove it right, and you be like. Mr. Harrigan's phone. No, it's not. <laughs> Your it's number not. one movie is... I'm just going to mouth it along as you say it. It is How to Kill Monsters. Um, wow, wow, I, wow. I really, really enjoyed this. It was so much fun. I'd not seen their previous film, Book of Monsters, before I saw this. I watched it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I saw this film, like... This is a, a tapestry of putting these things together. Uh, John Crennan, who's got more name checks in this sh- in this episode, I'll have to guess credit him almost. <laughs> um, he had mentioned how much he enjoyed their previous film, Book of Monsters, and how much he was looking to see for, forward to seeing How to Kill Monsters at Fright Fest last year. Mm-hmm. Um, then it so happened um, that looking it up and when we were preparing for Fright Fest. Uh, I'd recognised the the film star. So Lindsay Crane had been in um, Eating Miss Campbell, which I really enjoyed this year as well. Really punchy dialogue, really, really fun, over the top, lots of good trauma energy about it. Um, Then it so happened that in one of the short film showcases, in the morning of the day we saw How to Kill Monsters, as luck and circumstance would have it, I was sitting next to uh, 
Lindsay, the star of the film, and Stuart, her husband, and the, the director of the film, in the in the auditorium. I got talking to them beforehand, so before their movie came out. And again, mentioned this a few times, really nice people. It makes you enjoy their work even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we watched the film, as I say, uh, a horror film through and through, and an independent horror film through and through. Like it is, um, it's got some wonderful characters in it. It's really funny. Um, it has practical, not Hollywood budget effects, but they are mm-hmm. delightful. They use miniature work, things that I just get a real kick out of. And, you know, as I say, genuinely just so funny. I love the interactions between the characters. I love the soundtrack that um, that the ending credits music has now turned up on my run playlist on my Spotify. I listen to it oh, wow. several times a week uh, when I'm out on runs. Like, I just really enjoyed it. It was an absolute delight, and I am really looking forward to the opportunity to see it again. And then, final pinch of it, obviously we met the the writer, Paul Butler, just afterwards when we were meeting some of the others to chat to them a little bit as well. Oh, yeah. Tony from Bloody Tamworth, isn't he? Centre of the universe. So that's the moment why we... when you two realise you're both from Tamworth is 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 perfection. It's yeah. Fantastic. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it resonated so much with me from a content perspective. It's my culture, Ben. Um so I, I couldn't, even against the might of Godzilla, as I say, overall genre free, favorite film of the year, but I could not but mention this as my favorite horror movie of the year. I can't wait for another opportunity to watch it. But you enjoyed it well enough too. What were your what were your thoughts? Anything to add? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. And obviously, if you listen back to the Fright Fest episode, you can hear you talk to the writer, you talk to the star, uh, Lindsay, and I talk to the director, Stuart. Um, yeah, just again, everyone involved was great. Like the cast, it just felt like every role, no matter how small the role was, the actor was so good in it that it felt like a great ensemble cast. Um, I know we kind of gave it gave it some awards and perhaps we gave it best cast as well, or maybe something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, we, it definitely pulled some of our awards. We gave it a few Bright things like that. And again, great to see how well it's doing and how, and and traction it's getting on the festival circuit. They're touring all awards. over, right? They've there's been US screenings now. I think they have Australia earlier this year, early this year now. I messaged some of our other podcast colleagues in some Australian podcasts and said, Hey, you want to check this out, boys? Um yeah, like I all I, it's really really great to see these films get this kind of attention. They're picking up awards, everything they've been to. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's been really good to see them doing well. Yeah, most definitely. Um, there we go. Then that is it for our top ten of the year, plus honorable mentions, plus uh, new discoveries. Uh, for people playing along at home, Ben, do you just want to rattle through your top ten from top to bottom? One uh, one last yeah. time. Why not? So, at 10... I'm going to feel like I'm doing bloody top of the pops, aren't I? So pop smashy 10, and nicey. At 10, Thanksgiving. 9, Finder's Day. 8, No One Will Save You. 7, When Evil Lurks. 6, Infinity Pool. 5, Raging Grace. 4, Evil Dead Rise. 3, My Mother's Eyes. 2, Talk To Me. And 1, Godzilla minus 1. Wonderful. And then for me, 10, 
no one will save you. Nine, Black Mold. Uh, eight, When Evil Lurks. Seven, Mithrigan. Six, uh, Evil Dead Rise. Five, Infinity Pool. Four, Out of Darkness slash The Origin. Three, Talk to Me. Two, Godzilla minus one. One, How to Kill Monsters. Hell yes. What a list. What a year for movies. Uh, but now looking forward to 2024. Um, I've got some new releases to suggest, but I think in terms of content, we're definitely going to be hitting up film more film festivals, as many as we can, and in-person live events. We'll try and get more details about that as soon as possible. More interviews, hopefully more franchise rankings, retrospectives, bonus content, and already curating a list of guests to, to some returning guests and some brand new guests for movies for the year um anything in particular looking forward to in the next 12 months andy um a couple so technically it's had festival releases in uh 2023 but i'm excited all to be honest the only real franchise thing i'm really excited for apart from sequels to things we've talked about toxic avenger i'm really looking forward to seeing what they're doing with it how did I forget um, about that? Yeah, so the Toxic Avenger. Um, also, a little bit of news we had at the end of the year. Um, the Universal Monsters, the world of monsters is moving ahead and forward. Your friend and mine, Ben, Leigh Wannell, um, is helming the Wolfman uh, oh, with yeah. a with a review with a release scheduled for October this year. Having Ryan seen Gosling what he did with out, he? the Invisible Man. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm the Wolfman. looking to but, see what. But see no what more Ryan Gosling. It's a, it's a star of Possessor now, isn't it? Who's yes, I believe so. I'd have to check the the credentials. Christopher Abbott. That's who, it. He looks a bit wolfy anyway. He's got those eyes. Those eyes that look a bit wolfy. Does that make any yeah. sense at all? Yes. Will it be like the original, where he's as much of a predator before he becomes a Wolfman, when he's just harassing oh, women that work in shops, or will he own? Will he be a nice man until he becomes? A wolf. a wolf um what else um before the mask um a prequel to behind the mask rise of leslie vernon which oh, wow. i loki love is due this year nosferatu is due this year i'm looking christmas forward to day. that christmas day release for nosferatu cinema's gonna be closed it. lads i'm gonna be busy um but you know maybe we talk about that dinner. maybe we're talking about that as we do our films of 2024 um we have the In Search of Darkness 90s documentary due this oh, year coming yeah, of up. Course. We have, um, well, I'll tell you what, this is a perfect moment to segue into some of the things we're doing this month um, in that we am also looking forward to the Horror and Video Games um, documentary, which is being produced by uh, the team that you interviewed their, their producer yeah. last couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, producer uh, Daniel Richardson, who's also going to be joining us at the end of this month for an episode covering House of the Dead. We're talking about Terabytes, of course, the uh, the video game documentary. Terabytes, that's the name. Terabytes. Um, but yeah, so he's going to be joining us for House of the Dead, another yeah. Uwe Ball film. What have we got for the rest of this month? Before I talk about other things that I oh, would, yeah. we've got suggestions and I would like to cover this year, um, What what's already lined up for January? I know, but so, tell them. Yeah, I'll tell, who's them then? Who's them? Everyone uh, that so isn't ne- you. <laughs> next week, Night Swim. Haunted swimming pool. Can you believe it? Um, this is a Blumhouse atomic monster thing, isn't it? Um, looks pretty interesting. Going to be checking that out this week. Uh, 
Cannot believe it. No, no armbands allowed. Uh, we no armbands allowed. Armbands actually. Um, and after that, we've got High Tension, the French uh, slasher movie, which I've I've seen before, but always always happy to revisit it. Um, Society as well. We're going to be covering the yeah. uh, body horror '80s movie. A nice cutting satire. Um, I've never seen it. Have you seen it? Me either, but um, potential guest he'll reveal once we've confirmed if their schedule works out. They're a big fan of it. They recommended it. That's what. If you're in tune enough, they recommended it in an interview with me. Who are they? Will they be available? They're trying to work it out. Um, This is a quiz episode. Uh, And then, as I mentioned, obviously Dan uh, Richardson, Terabytes, the producer of Terabytes, will be joining us for House of the Dead at the end of the month. Obviously, had to do a, a movie made about a video game. Um, so there we go. Looking forward to it. January's looking stacked, and yeah. we'll start making plans for m- new movies. And again, if there's something we haven't covered in 300 almost 20 episodes, give us a suggestion. No, well, I got a couple. I got a couple in that I uh, could read out. I know that uh, regular listener Troy has been on and suggested he's been talking about the serpent and the rainbow for a little while. Um, so oh yeah, I really um, want to yeah, check. Been mentioned a few times. Check that one out. I know uh, our friend Danny Taylor's been on um, to recommend The Wishmaster, who was mentioned in the quiz. So, you know, we mentioned in it as well that in a film that has Tony Todd, Angus Scrim, um, you know, uh, Kane Hodder is in it, Uh, Robert England is in it, none of them as the lead villain. The Wishmaster's got something special going on. It's very 90s. Um, but other things, I was really inspired by some of the questions that we had. So maybe we won't get to all of these, but my long list of things when I was making a quick list for today that I would love to do some of these as episodes this year. Let me rattle some off for you. The Puppet Master, Dolls, a Warlock film, Witchboard 2 specifically. Oh. Um, moving on with the Freddy and Jason franchises to see if we yeah. can't get a little bit further into them. Um, Possessor, we talked about during the course of today's episode. Mm-hmm. Shackma, get some more ape horror up yet. Oh, yes. Um, Sleepaway Camp 2. <clears throat> um, the Hollow Man. The Hollow Man featuring full frontal male nudity, which means, of course, it can only be an episode where we invite Alice Taylor Matthews to come and join us again. Um, yeah. Amityville 2. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, Need to do that. Dan Freakin is... Uh, part of Paradolia, which we enjoyed this year. So Amityville 2, my, my recent run of the series, possibly my favourite one. Frankenhooker, I absolutely insist we have to do an episode on. Oh, yes. It is incredible. Um, I want to cover more foreign language films. Um, we're doing a French one this month. Yep. want to get some more of that done so we can appreciate things that maybe wouldn't land on our desks normally. And then all sorts of... Um, uh, events and things like that Fright Fest we want to make sure we're at in some kind of capacity depends how quick we can book those tickets again this year but also there's a Glasgow event early in the year we want to try and cover that in some to some degree good friends over at the DCA I want to be seeing what they're doing for their done dead lineup and covering that at various points in the year uh, mm-hmm. dead northern we'd like to be yeah, at this northern year well, yeah. lots of things as far as our calendars and budgets will allow we want to be in as many of these things as we can to mm-hmm. bring you because I feel like now that our 
things we've enjoyed for the year has been slightly skewed by um, event cinema and things that we can kind of give people a little forward look to and maybe some of our top films of one year, which some people might not get to see to the following one, need to keep up that pace and catch up even even more of them. I really need to yeah. check out Old Sarah of Horrors Festival that's online now as well, and oh, yeah, uh, of course, and pick up some of her content that, that she's recommended. Loads so of stuff to check out. We are okay. in for a very exciting year. How about you, Ben? Are there any films that have been? I mean, burning you in the background. Everything you suggested is great. Um, I agree wholeheartedly. Lots of suggestions for films that came up in the quiz. I was like, we should really do an episode on that. So well remembered. Like to do some more uh, foreign language movies as well. Um. Japanese horror. Dark Water. Like to do some sequels. I know we talked about doing Wreck 2 at one point as well. Never seen Wreck 2, you know? Be good to get some good good sequels on there. Um, And in terms of new movies, obviously there's going to be a new Alien movie, Alien Romulus, uh, A Quiet Place Day One, Terrifier 3. All of these things, obviously we've never done Terrifier as a mainline episode, so maybe. Maybe. Maybe Terrifier. Maybe. eh? You know, because we got some stuff to say about that. We're not universally um, big fans of it, so that could make for an interesting episode. Yeah. Maybe um, I'll watch it and be like, oh, you know what? Now we've talked about it for a couple of hours. That usually what gets me there. That's got me. If it gets you there, it gets you anywhere. Um, but yeah, on tell us what your favorite film of 2023 was. We've already asked um, on Instagram and Twitter and lo- lots of interesting responses already. People have been saying, talk to me when evil lurks. Uh, Evil Dead Rise, Infinity Pool's been mentioned, Scream 6 has been mentioned, Skinnamarink's been mentioned. Oh, nice. Um, Thanksgiving, as I already mentioned, uh, Stephen Christopher is, is, it was his favourite. Suitable Flesh, Knock at the Cabin, someone said. We didn't even mention that. As Knock at the Cabin or... was on my list for a large portion of the year, but it, it, it? Got, it got bumped. Yeah, early days, bumped. early later, in the year. Mate. All the best. Uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter. 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 I think That's that on there. was... And you know what? I think that was one of my disappointments in that it didn't do as well as it should have because I thought it was perfectly good. Um, I think it got really buried. Yeah, it did. But there we go. That's it. So now we look forward to 2024. Thanks, everybody, for listening in 2023. I hope you continue listening in 2024. If this is your first time listening to Horror Hangout, you've got lots and lots to look forward to. Uh, An episode every single week plus bonus content. That is amazing, right? Um. So yeah, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to all of our current patrons on there. Thanks to Taz Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAS for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Discord. Just search Horror Hangout Podcast. You'll find us. And as I already mentioned, next week we're talking about bloody haunted swimming pool. Night swim. I the don't night like swim. Sp- I don't like swimming at night. I'd much rather swim in the day. Much less scary. I've just, Would you I'm, be I'm more just, scared I'm of just sharks out... in the day or the night? Oh, the night. The unseen. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would never go in the sea at night. Strict against, dead against it. I've just done the outro without even inqu- inquiring whether you were you were done. I'm all done, Ben. <laughs> you had good instincts. I mean, we've predicted each other's each other's top picks. I think we're simpatico yeah. we got it down I did forget about how to kill monsters till right at the end and then i remembered you said it was on your list so there we go um we will do a little post on socials detailing our top 10 so more in just you can tell us if you f- thoroughly agree if you completely disagree 
um, and fire us your top tens or top threes if you ain't got that many in you. Um, and we can have a bit of chat over on the uh, on social channels. But there yeah. we go. Get stuck in, guys. Agree, disagree. Make the case for ones that we felt disappointed by. That's all right. We can all uh, we'll get along together. It's not yeah. politics. We have to fight. Um, yeah. yeah, get it, get it, get your messages over. Like I think we've had overall. Would you say a good year for horror, Ben? Yeah, I th- I think so. A good I year think... for new horror. A good year for new horror. Not a great year for franchise horror, but you know. It's to kind of to be expected at sometimes, but yeah. Focus this is how this is how these things come back come back stronger. Definitely. Okay then. Jason uh, Blum, give me a call. Give us Freddie. We'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. Yeah. Boo Year's Eve, followed by that's the big debut, followed by a reboot of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, we prove uh, ourselves with an absolute banger of a new idea, and then they'll give us a franchise. They will. Okay. Right. See you next time. See you later, everybody. Bye for now. Happy New Year. Happy Boo Year. Happy Boo Year. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.